but traditional collar stays are just flat. Sometimes they're mother of pearl, or uh, I mean, if you hate mother nature and elephants, maybe you can get ivory and just be a complete jerk. But it's stainless steel or aluminum or whatever. Like totally, you can imagine these rich people who are like, "Oh yeah, I killed an elephant just for these slivers of ivory, just so that I can put them in my collar." Because because oh. I hate people, I hate life, I hate the world. I'm certain there are a whole lot of those floating around. It is now not delayed. It is now not delayed. Okay. Why would you? Oh, you delayed it before, so people can't. Um, I can't remember the term. Look at your stream. Well, they can. It's just they're gonna they're gonna be behind forty five sec or about fifty yeah. seconds. I set it to forty five, but there's like one or two second delay for the thing. And it takes time for people to react, so that's another three four seconds. Yeah, I get it. Okay. And now it's it should be good. Three four seconds. Yeah. Okay. okay, so I can hear myself in the screen. So I'm okay. Yeah. Um, so I can hear myself so for next time, uh, I'll make sure the USB number pad is out. And set, I'll have a working. profile set up. Okay. Um, and I have not started digging into our previous tests to find interesting material. I don't know that it matters so much, but it does need to be curated in case there's anything useful to do to do items, etc. Um, have you made a an account with um, iTunes? Anything like that? No. That was a question. I have not. Um, I have also found other services that might be appropriate for hosting podcast stuff. I still maintain that it's more important to have things be live for um, actual interaction. The podcast format is something that I suppose um, can be done. I mean, it can be done after the fact. You know, like the couple of days delay that that version can also be uploaded as podcast to whatever the heck. I don't know if it's true, and I suppose you're going to be the one finding out that um, iTunes may may curate it, may have uh, like a one month delay or something like that. I don't know if that's true, if that was some people, or if that's, or whatever, but that's something to discover. Um, and uh, when when we get there, I'll, I'll go through my earlier notes. I've done a significant amount of podcast-related research, at least, so it'll be nice to figure that out. Um, I actually wanted to open with uh, the Brave browser. Are you familiar with it at all? So it's a it's based on Chromium, not Chrome, but Chromium. That's the open source component of um, Alphabet Incorporated's browser, and uh, it is it's not an add-on, right? So its its stated purpose is to have a privacy focused um, browser, and so it's it uses Chromium as a launching pad, but it also adds its own additions that take advantage of internal components beyond what an extension would. So they actually dip into the code, modify the actual web browser and have their own thing. So it's basically Chrome, right? It's Chrome with some limitations on extensions, perhaps with some incompatibilities, but it's, um, it's main, uh, I mean, aside from being a, a supposedly privacy centric thing, uh, it's, its other selling point is something called Brave Rewards. And Brave Rewards, what it does is it tries to reimagine the idea of advertising on the net as being 
moving away from something that is basically negative, that's intrusive, um, that's maybe even uh, predatory in some sense, because there are aspects of this browser that also sterilize the relationship between a person surfing and what information is received by the website or known trackers, etc. So there are, are certain pervasive aspects of websites that infect others. So for example, if you're viewing some article somewhere or other, um, there might be you know, at the bottom of the article, like, share this and like this and this kind of stuff. See us on Twitter or um, even things like um, they might have a discuss, D-I-S-Q-U-S, a discuss comment thread that's hosted by a third-party service. And any number of these things you could, uh, you don't even have to be um, a participant in Facebook. You don't have to have an account. But what that like button does is it reports back to Facebook when that uh, particular instance of that like button has been loaded. And what that does is that actually Facebook will track your IP address and association with that article. And as you read article to article, that information is collected. And there's a lot more subtlety than just the, the fact that you loaded that page. It could be a retention. It could be, well, did you spend, did, was this link at what time uh, viewed? and then this other link viewed. And so there could be pattern matching and there could, could be estimations on how long you read an article or, and if you browse around and there's a lot of other stuff out there that has a Facebook login and things like this. And every time you, you poke around, you're giving a pattern of how you've browsed through the internet where each website may not know that you came from a previous website, but Facebook knows because it had a like button on every one of those pages that you were viewing. And if you're logged in, it might grab even more. Now, this sort of stuff, it, it goes well beyond my description there. There's some pretty naughty things that happen. And um, Brave understands this notion. That blocking this, this kind of tracking uh, is a feature of other ad blockers, but Brave cooks it into the browser itself. It's got a rather nice feature. So that's generally the selling point, right? And the advertising model that the rest of the internet uses is one that's based on being nefarious. Like that is selling your information, how you wander around the internet, what you look at, what you do, as well as inserting ads that are customized based on those patterns. So you might've been surfing around for certain things, and then for some reason, your Twitter feed has got advertisements for that product. Well, there's, there's a pool of data sharing that's happening where you might get some reporting that's, that's uh, stuck in your Facebook feed or your Twitter or your, right? And it goes on and on. So what Brave does is it blocks that stuff optionally. I mean, you could turn it off, um, but it blocks that stuff and it replaces it with a call concept called the the BAT, the Basic Attention Token. And what it is, is it's an opt-in mechanism that lets you, um, well, receive points for having ads present. 
and they are um, they're like independent of you, the person. So there's none of that tracking you between websites and understanding you fingerprinting the actual user. It's just there is some person on this page I am showing this ad and Brave um, will do ad replacement. So there might be a, uh, an advertisement at the bottom of a YouTube video and Brave will swap it out for one of its own. And so it has ad partnerships. Now, I always wondered whether or not this would be legal at all because technically it shouldn't be. This kind of uh, swapping out of the information of a web page. But it's still around and you can sign up to this. And the thing is, it this this token um I don't want to say culture. There's there's like an, a token economy, I think is what I'm gonna call it. So this token economy lets you take real world dollars and purchase in these points, and you can use these points to tip people. So one of the things that I want you to do, and you can do this, um you can do this and associate the YouTube account with it, for example. Uh, that I know about. I don't know if it's available for other places. And what happens is when a visitor visits that that page, that account, they will have the option, if they use the Brave browser, to tip. And they tip with those points. So it's a, it's a cash, cash um, analog. So a person can pay in, but a person can also just be a user of Brave and surf around the net. And having this advertisement replacement concept means that they can go through and earn those points. And I I just installed it a while ago on my phone just to see what it was like. And uh, I opted into having it give me notifications with ads. Now, because I know what I'm doing, I was a little naughty about that, so it's not very intrusive for me, but uh, it, it still is displaying them. So I just swipe them away, and I don't really care. But I went and checked this morning, just as an aside, and I've made more than $13 US. Now, that is interesting. That is a fascinating experience. That's just my phone. I installed it on my desktop to see what the experience would be like. And I don't surf around, although I probably should. Um, I basically have it and I use it for one website and then just keep it minimized. And um, and I, keep, I have it set so that it will show a, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen one because not many people use programs that do it. Windows has a standard notification area at the bottom right. It usually yells at you about needing updates and stuff like that. Maybe if there's security notifications, but yeah, it's pretty rare. It does and, fun things, yeah. Yeah, so what it normally does is has like a pop-up that lasts for X number of seconds. And then it just, then it, ins then it uh, shifts it into the, the stack of notifications. If you click the icon, normally at the bottom right, it gives you that column with your notifications. Well, Brave would, I have it set to just, be like that. And most of the time I don't get anything. And you can actually set the browser to be like, ah, oh, don't bug me more than this many times an hour. And so, uh, or this many times in X number of hours, something like that. And I have it the maximum number of bothering me. 
just to see what that would be like. And it doesn't bother me at all. Um, and uh, I, the until very recently, let me actually take a look. I've made four bucks, almost four bucks US, just with the browser. And I haven't surfed or anything really. I just have it sitting there. Now, the two programs, the one on, this is Windows 10, and the one on Android, in my case, um, they don't know about one another. In fact, I, I'm signed in, I believe I'm signed into both. Am I signed in with the, do I even know how that works? I can't remember how that works, but I'm pretty sure my phone is signed into some account, because I tried. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, it's auto-contribute. I do not know offhand if my desktop is actually signed into anything useful. But the next step is, well, this is a browser that's claiming that you have money, right? But it doesn't matter until you can actually get it into your pocket. And I also went through some of the some of the some of the process to understand um some of the process to understand how I would get these points turned into actual money in the bank account. Um, and there are some processes for that too. You, you sign up to the program, then you log into that browser. The thing is that if my phone and my desktop don't know about one another, that functionality to link the two under one account, which is my bank account, the functionality to, to pull them all up into one umbrella existed and then was with withdrawn because it had some security problems uh, but it, i was paying attention to like their alpha builds and stuff like that and uh, it's being integrated and this means that i suspect i could have multiple devices including yours and they could have brave installed and they could all be collecting their own advertisement usage so that multiple devices can be earning these these BAT, um, and so so I want to I want to explore two things. One is again you do it, um, making a sign up and then associating all these accounts with that. And and I think what I'll do is I'll take what I have and then I will either log in with those credentials or I will take these and anonymously just tip them into your account and uh, that would be an interesting experiment because a lot of people are complaining about um, points of vulnerability with payment processing and so for example uh, YouTube has is very expensive to receive there's a subscription feature now that's in YouTube uh, it's a 4a version like Twitch yeah and Twitch has it has that model, and it's really confusing and dumb. And I'm too old to understand these things, I suppose. Well, there's tiers. I haven't really. Yeah. I assume more <laughs> tier, the higher the tier, the more the more stuff you get. But I've never really played around with it. Nor. Yeah, there's um, there's like emoticons and stuff that you can fiddle with. Um. And so, I those. That the functionality of like having a live stream on YouTube and then having people do the um, super chat. Um, I mean, that exists, but YouTube takes an incredible cut, like 40% or something crazy. 
And um, but something like basic attention tokens is if somebody doesn't want if they use that model already, if they have that, like, for example, the, I have this money not doing anything. Theoretically speaking, I could tip anybody I want. And I know a few YouTubers that I watch or that I used to watch that um, I mean, this is a this is a mechanism built into that page whenever you're using the, the Brave browser and a person has signed up to receive tips, you can just tip them right on whatever page of theirs that you see. So setting that up would be uh, an interesting experiment to give people more options. This is why some people have like multiple, like a half a dozen cryptocurrency wallets that they have set up and they just have the strings at the bottom of their descriptions for their videos. Like, and it's, um, so they're like, uh, you can PayPal me, you can, this is my Patreon, this is my, well, there used to be Hatreon and there used to be another one. I can't remember what the alternatives are. Subscribestar, I think, is the one that's, yeah. that's still around. They haven't been uh, dropped by MasterCard and Visa yet. Um, so there's that. So the, and the Bitcoin and there's BAT, which is something that I haven't seen very many people um, getting into. But I did nothing special. So if I can actually promote the use of BAT for other people, so for a poor listener who can't contribute dollars, BAT might be a way for them to earn money doing very little. And then this, this would become an, so that's the work that they could do to actually contribute dollars in the end. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's something that I just popped into this morning that I'm kind of, I want, I want to pursue that. I think that should be one of our, one of our things, not a shtick as such, just one of the many, many options. And it's, uh, I went through the process of even knowing how to give them like official government ID and stuff like that. Um, so I understand how I've probably forgotten it all already, but I've done it. So it should be easy to do. Um, and the thing with setting up all of these alternate ways of kind of interacting with money out on the internet is it takes a lot of work to get it all done. But as soon as it's all done, it's simplified into just a set of Bitcoin addresses or this thing that's automatically going to appear whenever somebody uses a, a certain web browser or one one donation link for PayPal or, 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 right? And uh, so all this stuff ends up being pretty, pretty simple once it's, once it's actually done. And hopefully it never has to be done more than once with next to no maintenance. Um, that the those are the many adventures of stuff that you can look forward to in the future. So that's that's my verbal note in this podcast for me to probably discover one day later. Okay, so you mean rediscover? Um, yeah, wow, well, yeah. It's archaeology of going through all the previous audio recordings and being like, oh yeah, we were supposed to do this. Um, um, speaking of archaeology, um, apparently Internet Archive is getting. Is in a panic? Because uh, they're extra popular now? Or because... There was a comic book artist who didn't like being recorded at what he said, and he kind of just went on a... Him okay. and a few well, others sued, sued them, or suing them. They've got a process of removing stuff. It's pretty straightforward. I mean, they've had to deal with this kind of thing a lot. And... 
I'm sorry. I've seen their budget. Um, they they can go through legal battles. It's easy enough. Oh. And if it becomes a problem, they just put a banner on top of their website like they used to. And like, we're fundraising against this <laughs> this guy. And uh, oh, okay, so it's nothing really. You... I I wouldn't worry about it personally. I do know that some serious damage is going to be done to them when they are targeted. Um because they have they maintain archives of like scanned works for old magazines and stuff like that and so there's all kinds of problems that could arise when you have uh, unsanctioned copies of stuff and they they distribute things freely i i think that it is the internet archive has a borrowing feature and borrowing on the internet is a concept where if you if say the actual owner of an intellectual property or whatever a published work so let's say a book um they can sell their book but they wrap it in encryption and only allow it to be read under certain circumstances so normally what you do if, is if you purchase something on let's say a book on amazon because they only sell kindle stuff and kindle is their dumb proprietary nonsense they can actually encrypt it so that it can only be read on with certain software that is authorized to be able to decrypt those things with your credentials. So you'd log into an actual Amazon Kindle reader, or you'd have certain authorized programs for Windows, for Mac, for Android, for iOS, and that is given the nod from the, the Kindle Kindle ebook encryption standard to be able to unlock stuff. And so the the concept this is called digital rights management, DRM. And uh it's evil for ways that people don't generally understand right now. Uh maybe they never will. But it hurts well DRM itself right now hurts the at legitimate users rather than everybody else. Well it's a thorn in everybody's side. So if you're a legal person, sometimes like if you're a legal owner of something, sometimes DRM prevents you from view, like, like say, say I do want to watch it on my phone and my phone can't run the, the DRM software because my phone is using an earlier version of Android. It's otherwise a perfectly good working phone and it's just text. So but but there's a problem in the way even though you quote unquote own it you don't own it you're kind of like licensed to have the ability to read it maybe and that maybe is well only if your device is approved well only if only if and the the problem is i've been around a long long time and i know software is going to go bad it's going to go out of date it's going to be dropped so what does that mean? Um, the you have to hope some ebook that you bought today is still going to be read on some device that you might have in ten years, twenty years. Like hope that that standard is still recognized. Like do you have to go through an ebook upgrade procedure? Do you have to re-download a new version from the developer? What happens? What happens if the publisher goes under? What happens if the author? Like, what happens if you can't reauthorize yourself? Like, uh, I'll give you a, uh, a nasty, because I'm an archivist, so I think about a lot of this stuff. And 
well, what happens if your digital publisher decides that a book wasn't to have been sold? So the example is uh, the iTunes store. So they do they do music, and there was one artist who I don't know the detail. There was one artist, a popular one, whose album, for some reason, became available on everybody's device without any of that the security mechanisms involved, and so that means everybody got a free copy of that album. Now this was a major artist, so that represents an absolute like uh, a lot of it's this is not just free money for the artist there's a lot of other people involved with the transaction so so this is lost sales and this is a really big deal not just because it's that lost money but because there are a lot of attached uh, of laws attached to dealing with problems like this and what itunes did what apple authorized is reaching into everybody's device and removing that album. Now, what that means is they they have they've shown their hand. They've demonstrated they have the ability to retroactively reach into authorized into this unauthorized mistake, as well as authorized owners of stuff reach into your device and remove stuff without your knowledge or consent. Now, that is the that is digital book burning. Uh, that is when you've got a rights management system or control over stuff that is, I mean, the device is in your control, but aspects of its internals no longer are. So you're not the owner of the, the stuff that's on it. You are just a licensee who has, in some cases, just rented, um, who has the legal authorization. And things can go one way or the other where that can be pulled away where your rights can be can be revoked for for some reason and um this this sort of thing exists for the internet archive where they actually do my local library does the same thing a lot of people have a library system with loaning and so my device actually i've got an e-reader and it is specifically hooked into, um, I think it's even national, a, a library lending system that does use DRM. And it's hooked up to uh, my library account. So I can actually reserve and check out and read with a delayed auto-destruct, <laughs> which is annoying. Uh, various books that where the uh, author has, has authorized this. Now that that mechanism i can i can understand that mechanism for library books but for something that you've paid money for because uh, i've known other artists where they've had their they were um disowned essentially by their publisher and their publisher reached out to other people's uh, devices and just nuked the book and maybe they issued refunds i don't know the drama behind that one because i wasn't one of them um, but all the stuff that I get, I make sure that I get DRM free so I can just use it on my desktop. I can use it. I mean, I can use it on whatever operating system or if I want to dump it as text and pull it up on a Commodore 64, I can do that. So I don't have to care about 
what happens if my e-reader dies? <laughs> my e-reader dies. I've got copies on my desktop. I've got it backed up. I can still look at it without special software. I can, I mean, it's weird. You'd think, well, it's got no DRM. Well, doesn't that mean you can just share it? Yeah, that means anything that I've purchased legally that isn't encrypted, theoretically, I could just give it to somebody. I could give it away for free. I could give it to my, all my friends. I could share it. But in reality, it turns out that that doesn't actually matter. And you can argue that most people just don't think about that, which is not true. Um, or most people don't know how to like decrypt and pirate stuff that is encrypted, which is doable for a lot of stuff. Um, but as it turns out, if I pay money for something, I am less willing to give it to somebody else. Sounds weird, but, um, and I've, I've actually had that. Like I've got, like I've, I loaned, um, some movies out to a friend of mine and just so he watched them and he, he hands them back and he tells me that he actually ripped them. I was so offended. <laughs> I paid good money for those. Uh, so he actually kind of quote unquote stole from what I, like I actually had to perform work and spend money on these goods that can be pirated, that can be copied. So I don't want to give them to other people. And uh, there are still sharing communities and stuff like that. But as it turns out, if you get money, um, there's a point in your life, maybe in your maturity, where you look around and you wonder what you can spend your money on. And getting a legit copy of something that you had previously stolen, previously pirated, um, getting legit copies is actually higher on a person's list than you might think. And maybe it's because a person's got, um, they don't know what else to spend their money on. So they look at the stuff they like in their life and that's where they, they want to pay off their immoral act. Um, but for, for the piratable stuff, what you want is to also include something that isn't, copyable and this is um this is like if you buy a special edition of a video game if even if the game let's say it's an offline game and it could be pirated um you could get a free copy that way or if you were to pay for it and it was a physical copy you get a disc an official disc which is something that has a, an attachment to it you get a special edition, you get a metal case, which matters a lot. You get a super extra special edition, maybe you get something else. And it is a it is a con to upsell people to get for a, a publisher to make more money. But on the other side, it is actually uh, an interesting incentive because the pirates, all they would ever get is just the thing. Um, they wouldn't get, maybe they wouldn't get any online updates or online expansions because that's all the equivalent of DRM locked to a person's account. Um, they wouldn't get any of the physical products, posters, the whatever. So, um, tying anything in. So for example, I, I, I have bins and bins of DVDs 
and um, I can go and pirate them and I can go and get a free copy of any of these. Should I feel bad? Uh, if I get a DVD, if I, if I own the DVD and I get a Blu-ray, should I feel bad about that? That's one thing. But the thing is, I, I could download a DVD. Let's say I download a DVD rip of a DVD I have. So it's the same quality. I can do that. And if I were to get rid of my, my, my physical DVD, I'd still be losing out because all of my DVDs are special edition. All of them have like director's commentary, alternate language tracts, subtitles. Maybe they've got, maybe they're actually computer readable. So they're, they're, they're multi-layered where one layer is just for DVD players, but another layer is readable by computers. And some of those have like the dumbest things, screensavers or behind the scenes photos or stuff like this. And you're never going to get that just downloading it from some movie sharing torrenting site. You're just going to get the video. You're just going to get the movie file. You might get it in spectacular quality, but, um, it's always going to be the authentic quality off the disc. It's always going to be with the extras and it's going to be a physical thing. And the only thing I don't like is I don't like everything being in a big bulky case. And, but I still kind of want the case because it's part of the authentic experience. Um, I just do not like everything taking up so much space. So I've got to like put shelves up and just line my, my shelves with these DVDs. And then, then I have been figuring out how to rip these things and keep them on my computer just so they're more convenient because physically going and getting a DVD or organizing it or, you know, adding notes or whatever the heck, um, isn't doable. If you've got just a physical disc, it's, it's so much more convenient, especially for backups. And that's the other thing I want to talk about. Whoa, I drifted off topic. So, um, you know, the DVDs, do you know that they go bad? Yeah. After, some, after a while, but it doesn't it take a bit for it to go mm -hmm. bad. Yeah. That's the thing. But DVD technology is really old now. So we're coming into an era where DVDs are starting to go bad. If it's, if it's kept under house conditions, then it's, it's fine. Then it's going to last a very long time. But if it's overturned and it's in sunlight or if it's exposed to heat, if you put a DVD even in the, in the box on the, on the dash of a car in the summer heat or something like that, you get these weird effects because you get the, the layer of data is essentially glued to a piece of plastic. And that there can be a bubbling effect that happens if there's damage and that will lift up the the, the data layer. So this, it's this shiny layer that gets red. Um, very much like a phonograph record, but instead of having grooves with bumps in it, it's got changes in, in, what would I say? Like it, it reflects light differently. So the laser that reads it will see the reflection differently. It's it's, and that's how it grabs the ones and zeros off of a, a DVD. But when it's lifted off uh, and it bubbles too much, there's a deformation and that deformation can be, it can get extreme enough that it actually wrecks the reflectivity or the reading of the surface. And eventually it, it'll just bubble off, uh, you know, uh, enough of a chunk that 
huge swaths of the DVD aren't just aren't readable anymore. So they have a lifespan. So I am rather well motivated to to rip all of that stuff, like have a data copy of it, which if I, I mean I and keep a second copy on another hard drive. So that if I have a hard drive that dies, I have a backup. Or the disc dies, but I can keep the disc even if it dies and it's unreadable because it's the physical thing. It's like it's the extra special. Um, I don't need to prove to anybody that I own it, you know, unless people, the cops knock on my door. Hey, we're checking to see if you own all your DVDs. Let's see your computer. Open up all my DVD cases. Um, but it, it is nice to me to to kind of have the physical thing. Um, but I do worry about the future of my data. Have you ever lost a hard drive? Not yet. No. Yeah, it's the old, do you have backups? If you don't have backups of your backups, you got nothing. I actually bumped into a service that, there's a lot of services that let you just stream your, like stream, stream your data up into an external hard drive, essentially. And let's see if I've actually got it here anywhere, anywhere handy. Oh, the amount of bookmarks I have. Pretty sure it's not in here. I have four different web browsers. Um, I know it's here because I was just looking at it. I hate that. What, the four different web browsers or the tabs that are in those four different web browsers? So many. I actually don't have a lot of tabs. Um, Here? Is it here? I mean, I must be looking right past. Here we are. It's... It's the one they marked as important that I'm ignoring. Yeah, so there's Tresserit is the one that I'm looking at. But like, um, hell, Microsoft has OneDrive, for example. So you can get, nowadays, you get a, an incredible amount of space and for free just for doing backups. Now that's, uh, if you trust them, so you should encrypt your data. Um, which is easier said than done. And and uh, updating data, which is encrypted, is also a weird thing. But um, but Tresserit actually has um, encrypted online storage and gives you a one terabyte for free. That's an astonishing... As somebody that had, like, what was my first hard drive? Like, 20 megabytes? 10 megabytes? I can't remember. And... Like I started with that and now the idea of having one terabyte that's up somewhere on some other continent is uh, living in the future, man. And uh, so if you wanted to do online backups, that's also a thing. I'm actually going to send you a link in discord for that. And I can, Hey, we're in Twitch because so I can actually share it with the room if anybody's actually here. Nope. But I want to do when a person pops into the chat, do they actually see the back, the history of other people talking? Mm. Actually, I don't think I don't think they do. That's fascinating because if I refresh this page, I don't think previous chat actually appears. No, it doesn't. Wow, that's really bad. <laughs> I, I guess well, that's just disappointing. That oh man, chat was. Proper chat was done with IRC a long time ago. 
This is very early internet stuff. Welcome to the and now. Yeah, well, but at least they have like four pay emoji that you can use. I mean, if you hang out in a chat room, there's all kinds of bot stuff. So you can be like, if you hang out in a chat room for long enough, uh, I know it's this one streamer you'll get this little shaky present that you can click and maybe you get a certain number of points and you can spend the points on unlocking certain icons that you can use while you're chatting. And it's, I just don't understand. It's, it's the dumbest thing. I don't, and I guess it, it matters The Twitch hopefully knows its audience well enough that they, they build this rather complex feature and they provide it. They must be making a cut. They must be, it must be interesting enough to be engaging to their users. So they have audience retention, um, which is good in general for advertising and all this stuff. And maybe they're making a little bit of money off of paying people paying money for those, those, the whatever features they get via chat. Um, so yeah, that's, I just don't understand it. I don't understand a lot of stuff like that, but it's, it's adorable and useless. You knew the same thing on Discord. Uh, they they introduced a feature where you can you can purchase um, you can purchase icons to use, and if you do that, you can actually use them on every server that you have access to that you oh nitro participate in hmm? nitro. Yeah, yeah. There's there's that. I don't know if it's part of the nitro program where a person can just kind of buy an icon, but it's. I mean, it's interesting when I see somebody else doing it, but it's not ever something that I would actually pay money for. It's as weird as it sounds. There's a lot of features like that in every, every, every gamified program. Um, uh, another great example, Steam. It's actually quite recent, and I just participated in it um, literally just now. Why do I have... Why is that a private browsing window? Okay. It's called the Steam Point Shop. So here. That's only lasting for the summer. Is it? But all the stuff you get here is permanent. Uh, everything except the gold border that only lasts for thirty days. Yeah. That stinks. Now it... that particularly stinks because there. But... I I might actually go out of my way to, to just get the last two that I have oh three that I have missing, but there's a game in there, Firefall, that uh it's you can't play the game like you can download and install it and listen to the login music but there's nothing to connect to because it's it's an online game and the developers took everything down they took the servers down they took the website down there you can't even find references to it on the the intellectual property holders websites it's it's just gone and they made all kinds of excuses like oh we're going to bring it out on mobile and oh we're going to do this that it just kind of like faded off into nothing Probably because it was a rather expensive endeavor that never went anywhere. Even though it was a really good game, really popular. Well, really for the time, I guess. You know, so it had short-term popularity and then it just came yeah, into existence. But the thing is, they didn't have oh. a very good monetization. I should say out of. Hmm? I should say out of existence. Well, the... I mean, think. I think that was like 2006 or something like that is when this game was around. And but life was different back then. Nowadays, maybe having a successful game is much more difficult. 
At any rate, the game, this game is not around yet. Yet. It showed up. It just showed up in the store for some reason as something that you can actually install. The community is still there. The like it 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 exists on Steam again for some reason. And you can I don't think you can buy it or anything like that. But as a as an owner of the game, quote unquote owner, I can actually install it and and look at the login screen, as I said. But it actually has an entry in in the Steam points shop. I can actually go for some, somebody went out of the way to make like background profile backgrounds for this game that you haven't been able to play for years now. And so I just decided to, because I, I got a bunch of these points on balance from the history of my buying games on Steam. And so I spent everything I could to get everything I could just because I thought it was, I mean, how limited edition can you get? Right? <laughs> Here's this game that just, it doesn't even exist anymore, but you've got little icons or emojis or whatever nonsense associated with a particular game. Um, again, I, I understand the idea and I understand it from a monetization perspective. I just, it seems completely useless to me. I, I've never thought about Steam as being like social media that I would care about dolling up my profile. Uh, I mean, it's it's just a uh, games delivery platform to me. That's all it is. Uh, I don't even use its chat functionality. It's just, I accidentally shift tab and I cuss at my game. That, that's about all it's good for. Yeah, so the idea of, of having purchased some emojis that I can use exclusively in my chat with my Steam friends, it's, like, it's not going to happen. I think maybe Steam is too late to the game to try to replace, like, oh, everybody I know is just, you've got a Discord community for that game. That's That's where you go for your guild or whatever. You don't join some Steam sub forum for that game or some steam community and use its chat it's it's just forums are still thing but they're t but discord's taken over i guess i mean um but uh have you ever used the steam ch chat related stuff not the not the live chat but the forum chat no forums, i don't i know i rarely use forums i mean unless it, i remember i would haunt there back when no man's sky was was first came out um we all had to go to the steam forums because we're all asking basic questions like um it takes me 15 minutes to start am i doing something wrong or like it's it says press e to start but i'm pressing e and nothing is happening you're supposed to hold e and uh and you know i get this error and i get that error and and lots and lots of complaints um so it's a venting space but it and that's because the author never present never provided anything like their own stuff so they just leaned on steam and so i i understand that i guess mm. but most games um they've got their own forums and they've got their own everything else so steam is kind of like I, I guess if the game is only available on Steam, 
then that would make sense. But if a game is available on multiple platforms, you can't expect people to to come in and make a Steam account to talk on that forum if they're a PlayStation 4 player or something like that. Yeah, they um, would just go to the PlayStation one. Yeah, I'd imagine. Or, yeah, or or maybe the developer would have one would set it up for themselves and try to try to have everybody cooperate in this one forum. Um, but I mean, that's, that's the suckiest thing is all of these different delivery mechanisms. They exist partly as DRM. They exist partly to make sure that people can't pirate it. So they've got, so steam has, has authenticity verification, stuff like that. Sort of. Um, but it's it's fractured all of the communications between players across all of their delivery mechanisms. So, for example, um, Destiny Two is is not exactly cross-play, but I mean, I could theoretically play with somebody who would normally play from Xbox or something. Well, it's cross-save, but yeah. So theoretically, I should be able to interact. We should not have separate interactions. Like there should not just be an Xbox forum and a Steam forum. It should be one somewhere. Um, because I'm not going to make an X. I have one, but I'm not going to. I would not normally make an Xbox account to go and talk about this particular game. I'd go to Steam. So it's it's a little bit unfortunate. We're getting more and more cross-save, cross-play type stuff that's happening. But we're not combining the the user communities. So a lot of games will have their own forums and then, then Steam. Uh, does uh, does uh, is it the Epic Store? What's that other one? That Upstart? Um, man, I can't remember it. But it's another content delivery platform that i can't that eludes me do you remember what it's called you're supposed to know this stuff wait that does what that it's another it's like a, the steam alternative there's been more than one but it's a very recent one epic well, well that's what i said but you didn't yeah agree. it's either epic or most notable it's like epic yeah okay it's so epic i'm thinking of so, like, does Epic have its own user communities per game or anything dumb like that? I'd imagine. Or, I don't know. No, actually, maybe. not that I know of. So I don't play around maybe. with Epic, so I don't know about their thing. Like, if you have problems installing, do they have a tech support forum? Because that installation problems would be an Epic problem. They have a support group that I... I just go to support. Yeah, okay. So, I rarely check forums. I mean, the idea that that they have some of their own stuff and Steam has their own stuff and Xbox has its own stuff and PlayStation has its own stuff and uh I assume Nintendo has its own stuff. I have not looked at a Nintendo since Nintendo Advance SP or whatever it was a long time ago. Um that was what a mad fun handheld that was. Um and so, so this fracturing is really obnoxious, um, and 
other people will know this problem well if they've got, I mean, it's the same problem as a piece of software not working on every operating system or every version of every operating system or DRM for your book not being playable by all the software you like, all your devices or whatever. Um, just like, uh, I don't have a Blu-ray player. Uh, do I have a Blu-ray player for my computer? I didn't get a new one for my computer. So I'd have to get a USB one. So if I had Blu-ray discs, I could play them on an Xbox, but not my computer, which is frustrating. Or, and it just goes on like this. Um, and, and that's, we don't have an agreement on standards or an agreement on, because we kind of don't want that either, because you don't want just one provider of any, anything, any service, because it's always, it always ends up being abusive see the government it always ends up being a little bit inefficient a little bit detached um, steam was the only game in town for a long time basically and they they were not high quality they weren't, they weren't pressured by competition to get better which i think you want that with all things okay so i mean we can do a little bit of another topic uh, actually, this seems like a good time to go on. Oh, uh, We're a little bit early. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Wow. Okay, so I, again, once again, I never really wrote up notes on the stuff that I wanted to talk about. Well, it's either now would be a good time to go on a break or just find or go on a topic, but. Uh, well, if you figure out another topic now, we can very briefly overview it, and then during the break, I can think about it, which is also not a bad. Not really. Okay, so let's take a break now. Do you want to make it until our regular restarting point? So it'd be like a seventeen-minute break. Uh, well, it'll just be like six minutes if we're gonna go on that schedule. What? Oh. Oh, so we're breaking late. Yeah, we're like two minutes, four minutes behind. Oh, okay. So we're okay. So well, let's take a break and then let's come back in ten minutes. So five after, zero. <laughs> five after. Um. Anyhow, so yeah. See you in ten minutes. Yeah. I'll go grab a drink. I'm back here. Are we recording? And yeah. Okay. So. Okay, so somebody did say hello. I wonder if that person is here. Probably not. Well, is there a way for us to check? Users in chat. That that user is not in here. Hello, other users. Okay, so, um, I mean, wait, why not talk about that energy drink, energy drink thing? So it was Red Bull is your choice of energy drinks, right? Well, I just wanted something small to drink now. So what have you been drinking recently? Just Red Bulls because they're small cans. They're the only small cans that it, I could stand. Well, okay, so that's the thing. It's um, it's not necessarily the size of the can, but the ingredients. So you know about the five-hour energy drinks, right? Um, I like the the grape kind. Boy, does it do weird things to my body. So I'm I'm looking at the Red Bull website right now. And this is the awesome sort of stuff that we would be able to share in a uh, on stream one day when we know what we're doing. So I'm looking at the um, the Red Bull 
well, it says ingredients list, but it's it's like the the facts of what's in it. So, so you like the two hundred fifty milliliter cans, so those are the thin ones, about the same amount of caffeine as a cup of coffee, which is actually not a lot. And I don't know how to compare that to a pop, a soda pop, like a Coke or something like that. Um, but most people would say that um, soda has, I'm looking at, and they even have comparison charts. Wow. Okay. So that's, so you were saying that so far, and you're going to pay attention to it, that like a Coke has, does not have the same problems you were having. Yeah. I'm looking at this and Red Bull claims that it's about 30 milligrams um, for the same volume for 250 milliliters. And a, a can, I'm looking at a can right now because I'm drinking from a can. It's 355 milliliters. So it has math worth of stuff, but so it still has less than a Red Bull. Could be a reaction to caffeine, but I kind of doubt it. Um, and I don't know how much of a difference, like how many a day were you drinking? For which? For anything, really. For Let's just say for Red Bull. If you were drinking Red Bull, would you normally drink I just have a can a day, yeah. And most of the times they don't even finish the Coke. Okay. Um, They actually do sell little cans of Coke, which are adorable and probably about the same price as regular cans. Yep. Which is... (laughs) I mean... uh, Okay. It's kind of cute. So I don't know the caffeine would, would necessarily be the problem, but a lot of people are saying that that's something that's that's it can be pretty devastating to if you've got a reaction to caffeine and it's at the wrong time and you know your body is just like that but there's other stuff that's in an energy drink so still looking at red bull so i mentioned that the other thing is b vitamins now b vitamins um can be okay so first b vitamins are good but anything that's good in too much of a quantity could be bad, especially certain vitamins. And I know looking at some of the some of the energy drink cans that they're like, oh, it's got 1,200% of my daily recommended of B12 and stuff like that. And this has an effect. So I don't have a Red Bull can. Maybe if I thought ahead, I would have gotten one. And, uh, but it likely has you know 100% of or maybe even more of something and that that um, may well directly damage things because you're supposed to go through your day and you you kind of wake up you have a kind of an alert alertness arc and you peter out and then you go to sleep but an energy drink will give you a weird spike and then a crash and those things I know the caffeine will do that, and of course sugars are going to do that. And so this does a comparison of juices and such. So and again, it's trying to do it's trying to do apples and apples and failing. So this is a 250 milligram can. So you're looking at 25, 26 
and a half grams of sugar. Now that is the equivalent is for um, a soft drink is about the equivalent. So it's a lot of sugar, but it's no more than an energy drink. So the only different difference I I would see is B vitamins or one of the other things. So they've got taurine is um, an amino acid. And I would have to research that. I uh, Having studied sleep-related stuff in passing for a while, it's out of my head now, but I looked at it in the past. Taurine has never been mentioned, so I don't think that's going to be related. So I think it's the B, B vitamins, which... But uh, I was listening to a guy literally yesterday um, going over, uh, he was going over the relationship between diet and intelligence and trying to dispel some myths as well as insert some of his own ideas. And he, hmm, how would I explain it? And he was his perspective, his philosophy on whether or not something is out of balance with a person. Like when you study a person and maybe you look at some numbers, like you draw some blood and you do a certain kind of workup on a dozen different aspects of different things about their blood so that you can say, okay, well, you need supplementation in this direction with this stuff because of the readings I'm getting with this. That That is a current approach that's a reasonable approach right so that's a third party can gather you some numbers and and you can take them and make certain judgments on them and you take supplements and you you'd think that that would just that would be the correct thing to do now for something like alertness which was something he was talking about as well as sleep um he was saying that while you can get those numbers and while you can supplement, that is one perspective. There's another one where you can um, you can do a, a look and see. You can you can take certain things and then study amino acids or study certain kinds of blood work or whatever, and then see if there's uh, a dramatic or any impact. And that way you can know if there was uh, a depletion for that person. Um, which So it's from the, the other angle. So it's not I look at your blood and I see how much vitamin whatever is in there. And then I give you a supplement. I would give you a supplement and look to see if that is measurably more in your blood. To see if that was the thing that you were missing. So there's a, a, a perspective on looking at that. Now, for you, it would be, well, if you stop taking the energy drink, I take is the right word, stop doing your drugs, and you were to notice an alertness change, and the thing is, it's got to be about nine days or something. Um, so if you were to, to quit cold turkey for that amount of time, for maybe maybe two weeks, and then take note of what you're like, take stock for a couple of days at the tail end of those two weeks and then get a case and then purposely have one a drink at the same time every day for the next i mean even a few days and if you immediately notice something if you notice a change 
So you notice the alertness goes up. Maintain it for a little bit for a little time and then see if there's not just a difference over a few days. Because some even some supplements, I could give you some supplements and they, they might do magical things for you in the short run. And for a few days, maybe you'll see certain effects. Maybe I can even draw blood and I can prove that there's certain things. But for some things, your body figures it out and just stops producing its own or produces less of its own because it knows it's get because it already has it in its system. I'd rather not play experiment with my body at this age. Why not? You're not 90. So so your your body tries to take what's in it and push it to a certain amount and so if if your body has a limited amount like not very much and you provide the rest externally like you fake it your body goes oh well i've got it already i don't have to work very hard so the reverse happens so you might actually introduce a supplement and your body makes less of it because it doesn't need to and that can be habit forming for certain things that's that's one of the vectors for uh, a physical addiction is when that kind of thing happens so people with a caffeine addiction or something like that they, these sort of little nuances happen so alertness ends up becoming uh dependent on caffeine so some people are really fuzzy in their morning and um and caffeine will wake them up and that's your body's like well i don't have to wake up but i'm i normally just am awake at this time why would i need to to supply the the wakefulness your body just kind of stops doing it now you're now you need coffee to wake up because your body doesn't think it needs to do that anymore which is true so energy drinks might be doing an effect where short term so you like two weeks quote-unquote detox two weeks of absence of it a few days might might just be the most wonderful experience ever but if you continue it then you you may or you may not notice an act this this need for a midday nap the poor sleeping patterns at the end of the day you and you you do need to do that even if it sounds like a negative thing it's you're you're not going to die probably but you need to get that information then you need to take it to heart which is you know after you've you've proved like, okay, I did a lot of experimenting. I've proved that bacon is good for me. I really don't like that. I don't particularly like bacon. I used to ban it from being made in this house, but I now need it because it's it it improves my mood, improves my alertness. It's it's really I need bacon supplements. <laughs> so uh... I'm 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 experimenting with that to understand if it's a pork thing, if it's a meat thing. I know the carbs are are absolute poison for me, but I love bread, so this is going to be difficult. And I'll, I'll I mean I'm drinking sugar free, but I learned that aspartame is a real problem. Um, it'll make you a little dumb. Um, and so I've experimented with like. Uh, complete actually measurably getting into with uh with urinalysis strips you pee on the little piece of paper uh where you can measure ketones which is one of the one of the energy delivery mechanisms in your body 
that you would switch to if you had a normal paleolithic healthy diet in that direction or if you were inuit or a sami and you just ate meat and fat and so i switched to in my case it was only beef a couple of times and specifically only ground only uh beef jerky i guess you could call it and i proved that i went into ketosis i tested my mood i know it's not beef i know it's not no carbs I eat whatever the heck as long as I don't have single meal carb dishes like a bowl of pasta as a meal. If I don't do that and I just have some bacon every day, I'm I'm doing better. So I need like bacon pills cuz you know, I need I I just I didn't it takes a lot of work and there's a lot of cleanup and it takes so much time and and I was drinking soylent for the longest time. Um and now I've got whole food cuz it's Canadian. And I, I also think that I need chocolate in the same sense. Like I'm permanently uh, a woman that's PMSing, so I, I need my bacon and chocolate. Uh, I haven't tried them together. God, I hope I don't like that. <sighs> I have like a cho- chocolate fondue cake with bacon. And I don't know if it's the bacon grease either because I've, I've pulled that off as lard made my own lard god, Try that that. Try... god damn it right? why? i literally didn't want to picture that <laughs> well okay uh, work with me because because it gets off in a weird direction okay so so you know i made bacon and then i i found myself a really fine mesh and i strain it off uh and it makes uh clear tasteless odorless um lard which which is basically fat right and I've kept that. You refrigerate it. You can freeze it. And I've kept that, and I've used that as a dip for the beef jerky. Now this is beef jerky I make, so it's actually doesn't have any extra preservatives or any of this weird stuff. And okay, so and I know it's not. I know it's not just the plain beef jerky, and I know it's not the lard because I've introduced it that way. And and uh, so I'm left with bacon. So I've tried different kinds of bacon, different, like literal different varieties, different cuts, different whatever, including this terrible um, commercial grade, like, like leftover ends of the whatever the heck, just thrown together in a box and frozen. I've tried that stuff, which is actually really good now, probably because it's fatty as heck. I've tried that and I've tried like lean Walmart bacon or whatever the heck. And it doesn't matter what kind, which is also kind of, I don't know. And I experimented with um, pork jerky, which now that I'm thinking about it, I can't remember caring about it. Wow. I don't actually even remember eating it. It was that. So I'm pretty sure that's not. That's not a bacon replacement, which is a bit of a shame. Um, so I, I'm, I, yeah, I need bacon supplements. <laughs> Maybe I can make bacon bits myself then. Oh, there's a person. Hello there. You need to say hello faster. We want to get those people's attention. Oh. So we need like a... Oh, I thought you meant at the door. <laughs> No, not a person at the door. 
And that is a person who's not in the room anymore, so I guess it doesn't really matter. Oh, oops. Oh, the bacon conversation drove somebody away. Trust me, I understand. <laughs> I don't I don't technically like bacon. I just like what it does to my brain. Make you think? Put you in a good yeah, brain. actually it's it um it's better wakefulness. It's a better mood, like I can handle a barking dog instead of wanting to go out there and and feed it to its owners or whatever, you know, entertaining bad thoughts. Um, uh, I won't notice or won't mind. This is this is actually really important stuff. Hmm. You know, you live in neighborhoods that have dogs and they constantly bark. Um, having a superfood that makes you calmer in the face of aggravation, I gotta say, kind of important. I would say that's calmer. I think it just makes you not care as much. I don't know that bacon makes me apathetic, but that is something something that if I, I'm I think I naturally just don't care. I mean, you don't want to provide harm, so yeah. This this isn't like some kind of uh, oh, what the heck do they call it? There's an actual medical term for it, uh, where you're medically restrained. Um, so there are all these movies that have like the drooly drugs. You give them, give a pill and the person turns into like an extra mellow drooling idiot. Um, so bacon isn't like that. Maybe this, maybe that explains a lot of these, uh, these bacon eating, like the YouTube channel where they're just, maybe they're just drooling bacon eating idiots. Maybe that's what I have to look forward to. Um, but um I don't know that 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 I can't remember why I was getting off into the drooling bacon eating idiot line of thought, but uh, yeah, I, I something I about the neighbor's dog you don't want to do harm to anymore, or just, well, just don't want to exist in the space. Yeah, I don't think bacon makes gives me apathy. I think bacon takes the edge off. <laughs> I don't need bacon. It's, you know, just a little bit of bacon sometimes. Holds the piece out, it's immediately gone. No, well, that's the thing. I don't, I don't crate. I actually started, I seriously, I started off not liking bacon. Same thing with coffee. I don't like the smell of coffee. I'll drink it. And I had that as part of my diet for a while. Uh, when you're, when you're going into ketosis, so you're eating a lot of, it might be exceptionally boring depending on how, on what kind of, what you're like as a, as an eater, as a person. And so if you're, if you're only eating meat, there's going to be a few days of, of suffering because your body's still legitimately needing other stuff that you're no longer eating until it figures its stuff out and switches over to the ketogenic energy delivery. And so you kind of starve a little bit in there, but if you have something like coffee um, and have is the right word, if you're drinking coffee, uh, the caffeine in coffee acts as an appetite suppressant. And uh, the coffee in general is just something in intriguing for your gastronomic experience. So you're not so bored drinking water and eating beef jerky or something like that. Cause that's, a, that's not a good life for a lot of people. We're so comfortable that, <laughs> We're so comfortable that uh, we can't imagine only eating X, which is really funny because 
in previous generations, it would be like, wow, you get to, you get to eat that. Nice. You get to eat. Um, so coffee was something I, I kind of forced myself to know how to drink. Uh, I don't like it either. Um, and unfortunately drinking coffee make, made me not like tea anymore, which is really awful. Like the coffee really or the like, tea? I like the tea that I like when I became a tea snob, the tea that I liked, I really liked and found the right, found the perfect tea for me. And <laughs> hello again. Um, so I found the perfect tea for me after quite an adventure of going through a bunch of teas and it was, it was wonderful. But when I did this keto experiment, I drank coffee and something about the, the experience of drinking coffee over that period of time made me not like that tea anymore, which is really depressing, but I have these giant bins of coffee and I don't like wasting food. So, so I'm like, eh. so I had a, a cup of tea just before we started and it was my first cup of tea in a long time and it was like mediocre hot water is it, it was awful i would be a terrible brit out of this um, so so yeah so my tea adventures man i really miss i think i told you this story before i really miss the green tea yeah i really higgins miss, and i think i told you. higgins and burke they still make a, a line of fine teas, you know, mass-produced stuff. But they had an organic green sencha. And uh, it is a... So sencha, is this directly a Japanese blend that they got it? Or this is Chinese? Because I can't remember. For which one? I think tea, the sencha. Sencha tea, I think, is... Mm, actually, I don't know I think it's about Japanese. it. No so idea. I know that nowadays they've got something called matcha tea, which is definitely Japanese. It's like tea ceremony, powdered stuff that you swirl around in bowls and you do it, you do it patiently, which I'm not, I'm not big on patience. So, um, but they stopped making the, uh, the sencha tea, which is amazing. I mean, it's a, it's a green. So first off, it's a tea, which means it's leaves that you throw hot water in and you whatever right and you can you can screw it up you can like you can steep it for too long and i have actually left the bag in there until the entire cup got got room temperature and was fine <laughs> it was still good which is it's the laziest kind of tea and it's still tasty it doesn't get all bitter over time and it's it's just it was an amazing, amazing tea until they just stopped making it. <laughs> that hurt me. I mean, I felt personally attacked that they stopped making that tea. So I actually went out and got hold of them, <laughs> got a hold of their product manager, and uh, and like, yeah, what what happened to this tea? Hey, can I can I can you can you hook up a brother? And uh, no, they just stopped making it. And they offered me an alternative with this matcha tea, which I was actually kind of excited at because I trusted the brand. Turns out it was. And I bought it in bulk because I'm done. And, uh, yeah, and they sent it to me, but it was it was mash of flavored. Oh, and that idea is offensive. You're like it's it's flavored like this other exotic stuff, but it's not really that stuff. It's just like flavor tea. I mean, that's the reason I don't like apple infused tea or whatever other weird herbal teas that are out there. I want I want tea. I like man's drink with a with a raised pinky but a man's drink 
and uh, it was a disappointment because it was awful. Wait, didn't so you? I went on my, hmm? Didn't you say like raised pinkies were because of uh, they were there was no more room for the cups? Well, that's true. <laughs> if you have man-sized hands, you've got these little you've got these little teacups. Like you can only use your your two fingers and a thumb, right? And so you've got that's all you have to wrap around the, the handle of these tiny teacups. So of course you're gonna raise a pinky because I can't I can't like yeah, there's just no room and often you can't make the claw you shape in that way with while while also curling your pinky finger. So it kind of naturally pokes out. So I mean it's fun and all, but I mean it is true. <laughs> it is true that you you poke your pinky out. So people make fun of tea drinkers for that stuff, but I mean, coffee drinkers make fun, but coffee mugs are absolutely huge. They're 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 proper. Mm. They're like peasant cup sized, whereas the little dinky teacups are are, are we? And that's because people, well, normal people that drink tea use teapots. So you just constantly keep repouring your your tiny little teacup full. Doesn't like people like drinking tea, hot tea or tea that's like at a higher yeah. temperature than normal. Yeah, so so you'd have like a tea cozy on a tea pot, and you keep it really hot. And you just you just constantly refill your your tiny teacup and drink that. But I think I I I mean I tried using a teapot. I don't really understand the point, and all I've uh, accomplished is making the tea taste really really bad because the i don't know it, it like stains the inside of the thing and while it's in there and steeping it just smells up it smells bad I, I i don't know i don't know what i'm doing maybe you need to look this stuff maybe you need to learn how to make tea do you know they actually taught me that in school in high school you got how taught in high school to make tea how to make tea yeah yeah and the, the two things I got taught was how to make my own pasta sauce and uh, how to make tea. And I forgot both. Of course. Pasta sauce I can see, but tea just seems... Oh, that just seems out of whack. I, like swirling the hot water around the kettle and all this kind of... Um, yeah, definitely out of whack. Hot itself and like... It, it made no sense. Like... But it turns out that those were life skills. I just wasn't paying attention. I'm an awful student. So, um, I mean, maybe that would have been life-changing to know how to make a proper pot of tea so that I could you know, otherwise be a starving student. But at least I'd have good tea. <laughs> at least be able to make it correctly. But um, so my, my tea adventure went from the... I'm not having a replacement for this green tea. You want green tea because, I don't know, it's infused with magic or something like that. Like We don't understand how it works, so it must, it's foreign, so it must be good. It's like, I don't know where that's coming from because that doesn't make any sense. So I went from like magic tea to looking at the shelves full of, my other favorite was, was this really boring like English breakfast breakfast tea. And I can't remember why I originally liked that. I probably originally liked that because I was really poor and it was a good price point. So I bought that when I was young. And um, and it was really good with incredibly sweet cookies and stuff like that. Um, so I, I went back to that and I didn't like it. And then I switched around. I didn't like anything else until I fe fell in love with 
Uh, Vilna is the name of the brand. You can't get it everywhere. And it's uh, made in Sri Lanka, which used to be called Ceylon. So it is the original Ceylon tea, which is what the, the black tea that is in most places is either a mix or a Ceylon tea. But all, all the other teas is like Ceylon flavored black tea or some weird blend. But this stuff is actually pure. Like they actually go and hand pick it on site and pack it on site. They don't ship it to some other place or anything like that. So it's actually, it's in like a little sealed bag and all this kind of stuff. So it's like, it's treated right. And it's got the mysticism like green tea has, but, but it's actually also really good. Except having drunk coffee for a little bit, um, wrecked my sense of taste. So my, my tea snobbery kind of, kind of took a hit. So I'm, I probably have to do what I told you to do, which is I have to not drink coffee for two weeks and then switch drinking tea for a couple of weeks and see if, see if I fall in love with just, and it's black tea too, no sugar, no milk or anything. Um, and it was good. And I have to see if that experience is going to be the same. I might have to quit drinking. Like I got a diet Pepsi in my hand right now. I might have to quit drinking anything but tea and water and see if that matters as well. Because you like you want to discover this stuff about yourself. You wanna you wanna go through life and notice the things you don't like. Like maybe you're gonna f- discover the things you do like. And it's easy for you to latch on to 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 continuing that stuff. Well, I, I like vanilla ice cream, so whenever I have that choice, I go after that. Okay, that's easy to remember. But you need to learn the things that you don't like to avoid those things. Mm. And, and it's hard to, you get an aversion and that helps, but there's a kind of a, a path that you need to wiggle through. Um, and sometimes you want to intentionally experiment with certain things to see if it was like, I hate green peppers, but I have good reasons for hating green peppers. Uh, but I'm not necessarily so bigoted against them that I won't accept them in certain pasta sauce, for example. But I'm not going to eat like green peppers on my whatever the heck. Okay. As an ingredient in a stir fry or something like that. Just not going to happen. Um, so the entire Coke, tea, coffee, whatever, um, for you it would be energy drinks. It, it's a matter of cutting cutting off even something you think you like on purpose and then experimenting without it then switching then switching then switching but taking a couple of weeks between each time because there's more subtle stuff than just your set your your presumed appreciation of a thing so your your like or your dislike of something there's more stuff happening in you like my my talking about mood is is bacon mood is one thing because that's a subtlety that's not me liking the taste of bacon um, I, I actually am embarrassed by the smell cause I don't want to bother other people with the smell of my cooking, so, you know, open windows and stuff like that. So I really don't like, ha- like having to cook it and it tastes okay. But I mean, when you've had, when you've had other things that are good, bacon is like, I, I don't know. Uh, bacon is like a, a weird leftover extra preserved meat that. I mean, it's its own little thing, but it's, it's, I don't know. So 
So um, it's not as obvious as understanding your likes and dislikes. It's pursuing it fairly scientifically and then paying attention to the rest of your life. So your wakefulness is something different than your liking the taste of something. So your alertness, your sleeping schedule, your, in my case, mood, your how irritable you are, how, you know, like, do you notice that you keep a cleaner house when you have a certain diet? It'd be really nice to figure that out and then be like, well, you know, I don't really like sesame seeds, but for some reason, whenever I eat sesame seeds, <laughs> like it, it's dumb, but if you ever bump into something and your intuition, your dietary intuition tells you, oh, something is interesting about this food, like for some reason, actual actual amber maple syrup on pancakes for some reason when i have a four in the morning ritual on a sunday with this and i make things from scratch and like spend my morning reading a book and i wake up before the birds like if you discover something like that even though it's hard work to wake up that early even though it's hard work to to make pancakes from scratch or whatever if you ever discover that stuff you have to latch onto it because um, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but that's kind of where you discover you. So for your equivalent, you might realize that although it's tasty and there's alertness to energy drinks, it's, it's not right for you. It might be convenient. might be the, the can might fit in your hand. <laughs> you like drinking cold drinks, all this kind of stuff. Um, there's more to the experience of life than just um, loving something or being averse to something. So there might be, you might, you might have to be like, nah, you know, I like cold drinks, but maybe I can you know, put ice cubes in my thermos of water. And I'm a water snob. Did I tell you that? What? <laughs> I'm, I'm now a water snob. You're now I mean, I, I became a water snob since since moving around. I, I was at a place. So, okay. I never thought about it in my entire life. But I, when I moved, I, I moved away for a while. And, and the water that they had there, I would pour a glass of water. Maybe like kind of terrible water. <laughs> and I know it was kind of terrible because one time it was so terrible, I actually checked with the government with the, the water treatment place and i did learn that there was a a boil alert that they send out but nobody goes to yeah, like when's the last time you went to your city's like water treatment place and, and checked to see if they have an alert on the water quality it's like so i i actually have the city email me if they've ever got problems anyhow so that's when they started really thinking about water that's the only time. And you, you can imagine spending decades in one place and never thinking about a thing. But you move away and you start to appreciate subtleties. And so that kind of happened with me with water. Not just because of that, that boil alert. And there was always this kind of off taste. And the boil alert really made it obvious. And then, even though, if the water was good, like I, I pour, quote unquote, fresh out of the tap, I could smell it. And it was okay. I drink it and it was okay, but if I were to let it sit on my desk, and this ha this hit me like a truck when I left a glass of water out overnight, 
and it just stinks. It was, it was really chemically, really nasty. Like, uh, I don't know what's going on. I didn't look it up. I don't really want to look it up because I know there's tinfoil hat stuff that's going to be out there. <laughs> I don't really don't want to think about I don't want to be exposed to those truths right now. I'm frail. But you'll yeah. expose me to everything else. I'll, yeah. <laughs> I don't care about you. Oh, okay. <laughs> My brain. I got to take care of number one. You're number two. Son of a bitch. <laughs> and uh, so I, but I, but this water, I learned that even if I were to take tap water or leave it out on my desk, and it's not like it's in sunshine or anything weird like that, where there might be bacteria that's just proliferating in the beautiful heat or anything. It's just on my desk in a corner or whatever. Um, it would stink after one hour, just, just an hour. It took me a little while to figure that out. And as soon as I switched to um, reverse osmosis, pure water, not like uh, alkalized, I think is the term. Yeah, it's alkaline reverse or your city tap water. So there's there's a, a there's there's an actual reverse osmosis. So it's it's quote unquote pure water. It's not like with some some places will have a water for water purification by whatever means, and then they will add stuff to it, and it's it's uh, it gives it a taste and stuff like that. Some people prefer that, which is fine. I don't. I I just don't like the idea. I don't think I've even tried it. Maybe I should. But the pure pure water. I've got I've got a like a mug here that's been out I think it's two days old and I've been sipping at it with a straw and it's got no taste or smell whatsoever. And and so the difference is, is outrageous. So so and drinking coffee has not damaged my, my taste for just regular water. So he Even, says. Yeah. So so and and on that note before before I forget, I don't make either tea or coffee with that water i just make it with tap water i started drinking more coffee because i had neglected to buy additional um, i get i get delivered water in these these what are they four gallon four gallon five gallon giant bottles in a water dispenser and so i'll take that but i ran out so I get those delivered and I just kind of neglected to pay them to bring some more. So I started using tap water again and I'm not going to drink I, again, water snob. So I started making coffee out of that tap water. Cause I'd rather have at least, I can't say it's tasty poison tap water, but it's like it's polluted with coffee taste instead of regular water taste. So you just flavored the, t- so you just added <laughs> it's, flavor. It's flavored. Yeah. And I'm not going to leave coffee sitting overnight or something like that and then drink it. Like, you know, that, you know, your coffee's bad if it's been out overnight, you just know that instinctively. But if it's a glass of water, you might actually feel bad. I feel kind of bad if I leave water out overnight. Like, oh, I should probably just, yeah, I should probably drink that. <laughs> But, but, uh, so coffee, I drink right away, even though it's a, I don't know if you know this about coffee. So coffee is a diuretic, which means that, um, although there, although it's a glass of flavored water that you're drinking, um, your body loses the ability to retain as much water as it would without you drinking coffee. So you still get water but your your maximum capacity goes down that's specifically because of the caffeine 
So it's true for soda. It's true for energy drinks. It, and that's that's a property of caffeine. It may be a property to other things that I don't know, um, but it is one in, in caffeine. So it's a little bit of a weird position because you can make the argument that, um, oh, you should be drinking like two oceans fulls of water every three hours or whatever dumb thing people say. Um, oh, originally, long then it was just... Um... It was just drink like eight cups of water a day, and then after yeah. a while, I that was when I was told when I was young. And then in high school, I looked it up. I did a research. I don't know how I bumped into it, but that was false because everything else you do or things that you eat and sometimes some things else you drink contain some water or some sort of liquids in it. Okay, so so. F- First, it isn't a myth to be to be told or to believe the eight cups. What a cup of water is is another thing. But um, the general. So first, the extreme. So in a desert, dehydration. How when should you drink water? How much should you drink? Or you die. Because that's the situation. Um, the most extreme desert is you will get a headache. If you're dehydrated, there's all, all kinds of other effects that happen, of course. But you get a headache. The most extreme survival mechanism is if you were to sip just enough to kind of stave off most of the headache. And as you travel, you'll just have have a headache. Um, but And another is you just drink whatever water you have. You kind of keep it in you. Um, and so there's kind of like a drink a little bit more. And there's one philosophy that says drink as much volume as you pee without drinking your actual urine. Okay, so but but, uh, moving away from the desert perspective, the one, the most efficient version is another reason for men to stand up when we pee is you can look at your pee, okay? And so you look at your urine and if it runs too dark, you don't have enough water. Now, your urine is going to be basically clear if you've got plenty of water. It'll be a little, obviously, it'll be a little yellow, but there's actually a point when it gets quite clear. And that's what you want to pursue if you have the choice. And um, it sounds weird. And so some people would say, well, if you're drinking a lot of water, your body's got to do the work to get rid of all that water. It's actually the opposite becomes remarkably easy for your your body to just kind of like get rid of what it the excess of what it has when whenever it wants to whenever it needs to it's got plenty of fluid to get rid of um your well your well your urine your toxins your right for it to to the liquid soluble stuff that you're expelling when you have plenty of water your body can easily do that and life becomes harder if if you have less water in you so the general rule for water isn't by volume you could say well a human needs one liter of water per day or you die and that's okay sure maybe um you could argue too you you can talk about wetness in your food that's fine um and if you ever do like i've eaten like i said i eat i've eaten soylent and if you're ever thinking about an energy powder or something like that, you have to add water. And there are, are people that don't understand that they'll, they'll use Soylent as their only food. 
So what it is, it's a powder you, you mix in to water. And people go, there was water in that cup. And they use that. And they don't drink any additional water. So they just, I'm on a diet and that's all I'm doing. But you're supposed to drink water with it because it technically doesn't have the extra that your body needs. So the wetness of your food isn't good enough. If you were to do that thing with Soylent, you'll get constipation like you do, you don't want to go there. Like if you've ever been, like constipation is one of the things you don't want to curse on someone you don't like. It's not, it's not a good experience, man. Um, and it, so, so there's wetness in food, that's fine, but there's wetness in food not enough for your body not even enough for the food you're digesting. You should always drink a little bit while you're eating, especially if you're if you're overweight and you're trying to eat less, drink more liquid, especially more liquid well up front before your your meal. Uh, so preferably between each meal drink a full glass of water or something like that. It'll help you feel full. And and we we humans have trouble because the mechanisms are basically the same. Humans have trouble knowing the difference between hunger and thirst. So a lot of people will overeat because they're getting a signal from their body, but their body's trying to tell them that they're thirsty. They're just they're just reaching for food because they don't know the difference. Because it's hard, so it's fine. Um, so how many glasses of water should you drink? Well, it'd be really nice if you could do one between each meal and a little bit for each meal, you know, depending on how wet your food is. Um, and then it's just looking at how clear your urine is. So you need to make sure that there's enough of your food just to keep it mobile in you. And drink as much that keeps you feeling full and kind of helps stave off that fake hunger that you'll get. And so I'll understand all of these effects and and you're doing you're doing well. Um, and it's a whole lot of just listening to your body. And and that's the thing. We've got all I'll throw on the tinfoil hat. We have lots of science that gives us numbers and stuff. But ultimately, um, all of those things matter. They matter, but it always comes down to your living in your body. So you you can, for example, um, what, would be, what would be a non-tinfoil hat way of putting it? <laughs> if If you've got a problem and you go to a doctor, the doctor's gonna part of the 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 mechanics of understanding how to help a person is is this person actually telling me a problem that needs solving? Is what's going through the doctor's head? Because sometimes you bring up a complaint, and it's like, well, it's not really a big enough deal to have medical intervention, or well, it's not really impacting your quality of life, right? Like. Okay, so you lost, I I dropped, we, we were removing one of these tables and it had a glass top that came off while we were tilting it. So me being the sharp young man that I am, I stuck my foot out to catch it with my foot, <laughs> which, is, which is all manner of bad. Now, it didn't shatter on my foot, but it did dent my big toe. And it did take my toenail off. And now it grew back, which isn't supposed to be possible, but you know, I'll take what I can get. It's a little funny looking. Wait, so what do you mean it's not possible for toenails? 
Well, what what happens to a lot of people is they lose a toenail and it doesn't grow back. That's what I've heard. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but mine grew back. Don't nails just of it consistent constantly grow? Yes, they do. But if there's massive trauma, the nail will like literally detach and it will just kind of like give oh. up. But I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's something you should be looking up as I'm as I'm BSing. <laughs> Make yourself useful, minion. You're playing on a tablet, aren't you? No. <sighs> of course not. How? And while drinking an energy drink. <laughs> no, I haven't had anything. To, I haven't had anything today. Um. um so. Oh. So. Let's imagine, because I was talking about the doctor. You're completely wrong about this. Am I? After a nail separates from the nail bed for whatever reason, it will not reattach. Duh. A new nail will grow back in its place. It'll grow grow slowly, but it'll take about six months for fingernail and up to like 18 months for a toenail. Okay, mine grew back way faster than that. Uh, And it was a rather weird feeling, having like... Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but it actually wasn't nearly as bad as other people have described it. Um, okay, fine. I, I felt special for years now. It's just everybody can do it. Okay, well. Like, fine. yeah, I've had, like, parts of, like, various places just in pain. So imagine that you did damage like that, and you go to your doctor, and you're like, doctor, doctor, I lost a toenail. Doc's going to look at that and be like, well, is there something we can do? Yeah. Should we? Well, is it really impacting your life? No. And there's a lot of, of, of stuff about your experience of life. By the numbers, a lot of stuff could be wrong with you, but doesn't really matter. Nah. I mean, if you're a billionaire, then... You can get everything, every nuance uh, attended to. But if you're an everyday person, there's an efficiency between how much it actually matters and how much time you have to spend or money or whatever. You find your your balance, like maybe whatever, maybe a couple of uh, maybe however many months of annoyance and however many extra months of it looking bad um, isn't worth even walking over to the doctor, hobbling over. I did have a fun limp for a while because I couldn't put pressure on that toe. I only got made fun of once, so that's a thing. Well, yeah, Um, somebody triple hobbling over, I'd imagine, would be a laugh. Right. So so you could, for example, go to a, a doctor, like a sleep therapy specialty place, and talk about these things and talk about um talk about mood talk about nap talk about when you go to sleep when you wake up how you feel like when you wake up and and maybe they'll like give you the run around and ask you all kinds of questions just keep you for quite a long time get the extra dollars for their advice and but ultimately it's like well does it really matter do you really need to do anything about it no um and your your answer would have to be like it's no skin off your back to try not doing a thing it's no skin off your back to try doing a thing that's fairly inexpensive 
you don't need to get it prescribed to you. You just pay attention to your own wakefulness, your own whatever. And then, you know, away you go. Oh, I think we've actually gone five minutes over again. Oops. <laughs> it's um, okay, so... So, yeah, you, it, it's a whole bunch of you to you for most... This is what wives are for. I keep having to t- tell men this. Like, the world doesn't care about you. But your wife does. So when you have like bumps and pains and stuff you can't go to your doctor because your doctor doesn't care slash there's nothing to be done and but when your wife's around your wife will pick up on this stuff maybe your wife will worry more than you do your wife will go to the doctor you'll find out that 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 ugly bump you had is your wife will be like well let's just go and get that checked anyway and you'll be like no i don't want to bother it's it's nothing and and she's the one that complains and she's the one that pushes for stuff and she's the one that looks things up because she'll care for the two of you and she's the one that discovers that you have cancer or something like that um so i i think that's why men with wives will live longer um i'm not sure if that's true or not that's a stat i don't want to look up well not <laughs> there but i really it's conflicted issues no the best the best is if you actually ever get to um wow i've done this a couple times but if you ever get to at least date a woman that's got actual professional medical training and experience it doesn't necessarily have to be her job because they're actually very attentive in this sense so you get like a caring expert woman in your life which which is really it's really interesting. I got to say, it's really interesting. I knew, um, also, what's the term? I know for, uh, for, for, well, do you want to go over time? Or do you want to take We'll a just break? keep going. We'll, we'll cut, we'll take a break eventually, but we'll just keep going with this train of thought. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll end early, but okay. So I don't know what the term is for straight women, but for, uh, for gay women, there, there is a term for a type of woman called a lipstick lesbian. And a lipstick lesbian is like, maybe she does 1950s cosplay. Uh, she likes wearing dresses. She loves dolling, not just dolling herself up, but like really overdoing the makeup and having really red, bright red lips and doing your hair up. And the experience, it's hyper femininity. I don't know what the version of it for straight women is, because we've got the concept of the bombshell. Yeah, I'll reveal to you some of my my rating mechanisms for women. So bombshells are women that that take their appearance very seriously and not they don't do it um because they feel beholden to reach some sort of beauty standard, not necessarily. So that the uh the lipstick lesbian doesn't care what the world thinks. That's why she's perfectly fine being hyper feminine in the face of having like a butch you know, a, a bull dyke girlfriend or something like that. She'll be hyper feminine because she loves that. And she'll, she'll do that. She'll, she'll totally wear a dress with no pockets and does not care what society is, society says or whatever. She, she likes that. There is a version of a bombshell who 
really likes her own personal experience of looking good like that for herself. That's a thing. There's a version of that where it's not a thing where they're just, they're kind of societally pressured into making themselves what they think looks better. Now, the bombshell is not the equivalent of a lipstick lesbian. I don't know what, what the equivalent for a woman is who likes tinkering with makeup and likes being feminine or even hyper-feminine while being straight. There's a version of like um, a traditionalist woman is a thing that's out there, but that tends to not be bombshell-like. That tends to not be super, super makeup-y. But if you ever get a girlfriend that's out in that direction, she'll be like, let me give you a facial. Let me, you know, we're, I'm going to give you a, um, a exfoliating scrub. And uh, I knew a woman that would do this kind of thing. It's, it's the weirdest. If you ever meet a woman who's like, you know what we should do? We should go to a, we should go to a spa. <laughs> we should, we should get a mud, we should get a full body. We should do a mud bath. And we, You'd be like, mm. but you find a woman who likes um, physicality of some sense or appearance in some sense, and it's part of either her her actual personality or her um, her expertise, not necessarily profession. But if she's out in that direction, she drags you along with her. Um, that's fun stuff. Um, I knew one girl who so she actually would clean her boyfriend's teeth because she had uh like dentist training <laughs> so she and that's just weird and that's really weird but that's kind of cool imagine dating a dentist who actually does like who insists on doing this kind of thing maybe she thinks her boyfriend doesn't uh, floss enough or something Okay. Like your own pocket medical uh, um, medical practitioner, your own advisor. <laughs> but but she does it because she loves you, not because you're paying, right? Got to keep your living expenses down by... that. For most men, that's dating way the hell up. Finding a woman that's actually expert like that. You ever find a woman who's... Um, who's got expertise in basically anything, but expertise in something that you're not necessarily interested in, but that improves your life. That's definitely the kind of woman that you would like, not that men ever have choice, but that that's a dream woman. That's the dream woman. It's not necessarily the pretty woman or any of this other stuff. Those are all okay. Everything matters to a man, but it always comes down to whether or not, uh, <laughs> That particular, if that particular woman were to fall down from heaven, you know, that would be the the best kind, is having an expert. Um, um, like for you, it wouldn't be a woman who's. Oh, let's let's not no, let's not go there. <laughs> oh, because you're secretly gay, though, right? Crickets. <laughs> you should probably try it. I, that might be a lot better no. than women. I I'll find you a nice man. I can't even see that happening. I'm just going to walk <laughs> away before this starts. Seems like I set up a yep, I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and get you on some. I, yeah, yeah. There's, I've always maintained that the the reason that I know that I'm unless I'm you can, unless you can trick me like what happened, like how the guy didn't realize in Euro Trip. Okay. Oh. I. I don't know. I I suppose it's like. Um, the other person is expert at being gay and they can just see it. Like, oh, that it's like that is totally a, a closeted gay. I'm gonna go and try to help that one come out. I think it's like some expert gay person that kind of goes and pounces on somebody and, and like pulls the gay out of them. <laughs> Which I think that's where uh... where the, there's this notion that that a lot of dude bros have when they meet lesbians who are like I bet she just needs the right man. Now, that's not entirely wrong all the time, but the notion is that you, in the same way that you just have a, a, a competent lesbian go and make another girl gay, like steal her away from all the he- all the heteros. Um, I think some equivalent has to happen with men, where there's there's some competent gay man who will just go around like, because it's an actual. The things that I know, but so it's an actual, um, what's the term? Like, it's like a fantasy for gay men to actually find and convert straight men. It, it's like, it's a challenge. It's the weirdest thing. Because you feel excited a, all about this all of a sudden. It's a, it's a, it's the most adorable thing to see like an actual out and out gay man, like trying to be like that, being flirty on purpose, but it's like flirty, serious, not not serious wink wink and they're actually fishing to see if they get like it's it's i mean it's fun and offensive i've had it i've had it happen to me personally i've known a lot i've known enough gay guys and i've been around guys that you know had the the gay vibe and were being flirty like that and it's always the the guys they're they're a little touchy that's the thing to pay attention to is is if there's ever this little touchy is that's like I'm totally gay screaming um and the straight version is the same way if a woman ever well ever talks to you it's probably it's probably because she she's interested in you that if she asks you for the time <laughs> she she was looking at her phone a second ago, but she's asking you for the time she probably likes you, but if she ever touches you that's that's uh the sign so there's there's a um, I don't know why I was going down on the tangent. I just think it's so adorable when when gay people play the games like that. So it's it's cute and it's kind of complimentary. So I've had I've had the well, what I'd say the gay probe, but it's the 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 experimentation, the little look and see thing. Jeez. Anyhow, so that's that's how you would know if a gay guy is is not necessarily attracted to you, but is like anointing you, the gay anointedness kind of approval, acceptance, liking that, that it's a little, little touchy. Um, and it's also checking to see for checking for a response. So that's, that's how you know if a gay guy is interested in you and I don't, uh, I don't dissuade you from from pursuing that. So, you know, if you ever have lady problems, yeah, try to find 
He'll be perfectly understanding. Find a nice gay man. He'll be perfectly understanding. Fix you right up. <laughs> so, so anyhow, you know how I'm straight. You know how I know that I'm straight. Not many people go through this. And and this is this is the way you can tell because people laugh about like, oh, you just haven't tried being gay, which is like you haven't tried being Protestant. It doesn't really it doesn't really work like that. Um, the way you can you can just dismiss that argument and be like, I know I'm not I know I'm not gay because if you've ever actually literally been stunned by a woman. You're just looking like whether or not it's it's a photograph or it's in real life or whatever. If you've ever actually gone, <laughs> that that's how you know. That's how you know. And there's a difference between. I mean, I, I made a joke of it, but um, I don't mind. Comp, uh, not in person, God. But if if somebody's like posting a meme or something like that, it's like a bodybuilding meme or something, and it's got. Like it's got a a man, a, like a really good looking man. I will actually compliment him. Like that, that is one really handsome man. Because sometimes it's really true. Now, there's a difference between that, which is a little embarrassing. Because because people, the one of the things you rib a man for is like, ah, oh, you really like him. They're like, no, no, it's just you know. Sometimes it is required to admit the obvious. It's dishonest to do otherwise. There's a difference between that and finding a version with a woman where you just go, duh, <laughs> lose language skills. And you might not even notice it until after the fact. So if I show you a nice redhead, you're like, yeah, she's pretty. But if I keep going and I, I eventually I'll show one to you where your brain will just lock up, will seize, the engine will, will seize up. Oh, That's how you know. That's that is how you discover what you actually are attracted to. So I can actually like. I can probably break down a bunch of the attributes that I like, and it's it female is always in there as a start. So that's how I know I'm straight. So most people just think they are. It's nice. Use this to know you are use this to know if you like coffee or not, or if you if you like green tea or now, if energy drinks are good for you, just pause, think about it, and uh, and and you will learn. Um, yeah. Anyhow, so we should probably think of some weird topic rather than me ranting about something that. <laughs> Let's I mean, go on a five-minute break. <laughs> you need a nice single mom that'll fix you right. Oh yeah, that'll be helpful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then she'll have two kids. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Break. Jeez. I wonder if I can be heard if it's actually muted. I think I might. Oh, I can be heard. Oh, I'm taking over the stream. I don't know what to talk about. Let's talk about sugar beets. Red Bull is bragging that they get their sugar sourced from sugar beets, but everything does. It's not impressive. People try to, uh, corporations try to impress with uh, cane sugar, as though that's magic. Uh, uh, good thing we're on a break, because my headset just got, died during that. Oh, really? Break. Well, you can swap batteries. Yeah. Anyway. That's handy. That, maybe that should go on your checklist. Swap batteries. 
I it was on. Yes, it was on my thing to do before, and then. Okay, we'll put it on a checklist, and then. You, know, you do your 15-minute checklist, and this can be part of it. Just swap the new battery. Swap the known good battery, and then the other one gets recharged during the show, and then you can swap it back as needed. What's yeah. the battery life on your headset? It was claimed like 10 hours, but... So I... 10 hours. Oh, that's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, then like, and now is a different. Yeah. Hmm. What, wait, okay, so... what do you mean continuous? Well, like listening to music, for example, for 10 hours straight. Could be. Well, okay. Then yes. I haven't tested mine. So So for for the listeners, what's the model of headset that you're using? Steel Series Arctis Wireless Pro. Steel Series is the brand, Arctis Wireless Pro is the item is what it is. Yeah. And you got that because it's both Bluetooth and even simultaneously. Nope. It's I, own wireless. Nope. My requirement was I wanted a wireless headphones that had um that had rechargeable batteries that I can freely pull out whenever I wanted with to. With a spare. With okay. a spare. That just that was just a bonus. It came with a spare. My intention was I'll just buy another battery, but it came with a spare, so hooray. And then I found out it does a bunch of other things. Like who like I could be sitting in the air, I could have, I could be watching something on my tablet while on a plane ride, and just, and if somebody next to me wants to watch as well, just give them my, uh, spare headphones, and they could yeah, listen along. pretty cool. And, on top of this, it has Bluetooth. Yeah, so, so what you were describing poorly was, it has a, an audio out jack on the headset itself. So you can daisy chain another headset to it. And that was really handy when we were like um, watching late night movies mm. on TV. But it is quite handy if you've got, um, if you need to wear headphones. Yeah, technology um, and its requirements that people need. Somewhere, somewhere, be, somewhere out there, you'll, someone has it. The, um, I mean, I think what a lot of, of of headset manufacturers would end up doing in the future is, oh, you just buy more than one of our brand of wireless headset and they can all receive from the same audio, um, audio source. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a con kind of dumb, but although this is a bit pricey, I'd say it's kind of worth it just for that feature. If, I mean, certainly if I had like, um, a light sleeper like in the household bonus, which was great. So it's it's like the the yeah yeah okay so can you do that with Bluetooth though because I don't think you can connect you'd have to have two separate Bluetooth transmitters. Um, what do you mean with what how? do you mean with Bluetooth? So if if I wanted to have two headsets, two wireless headsets, both receiving from one audio source, I don't know, I because you. You would have to have a uh, an audio. I can't remember the term. So it's like an audio switch box within your computer that actually will be able to duplicate audio sources and and output through two different, two separate Bluetooth connections, and the two headsets would receive separately. I yeah. think that's how the tech would work now. Yeah. 
with this, I can just Bluetooth to my. I could just have a lap. Well, let's let's use streaming as the example. So copyright music's a huge is a big issue. So I could be. Or yeah, I could connect this to Bluetooth and have it on my laptop, and I could hear music, but and still hear the game sounds through my headset, through uh, the whatever wireless frequency it's using. If that makes somehow any sense. No, it doesn't. But I know where you were going. Oh, okay. That's fine. Oh, I forgot to take this off. Oops. <clears throat> but what I was wondering is how you would share the same computer with two different wireless headsets. Because uh, I don't think you can easily do it on Bluetooth. You can. I thought you can. Or why? Well, if, if uh, no, actually. Because you've got one secure connection per device. That's kind of the point. And um, so you'd have to like virtual audio jack yeah. a second output somehow. I've never played with that. I imagine it's possible. I don't imagine it's easy. And I know that manufacturers, what they do is they sell like a non-Bluetooth wireless solution like the, the other mode that your headset has. And they'd, they'd sell that with multiple headsets and the headsets would be geared towards receiving <clears throat> from the same audio source that would be a very convenient way to do things um, and then it would be a matter of all the different manufacturers would never agree so you'd have to buy that particular brand of headset well actually i think the work will i mean there's a way to work around it but I'd say from the computer, if that has Bluetooth, Bluetooth to, to a device, and then have that device have multiple, how, however many plugins you want for the headsets. Now that'd be kind of a pain to do. That wouldn't even make sense now that I think about it. Never mind. Okay, so so I can't think of another topic. <laughs> Um, what are you up to these days? Any new news with Destiny? You play other games, don't you? League of Legends and Destiny. I mean, you're playing a tablet game too, aren't you? Or is that? Yeah, but that's just a tablet. tablet. It's just a tablet game with RNG, with RNG, which is a lot better than most. But it's a game. RNG or does it? Well, it's just one of these uh, click farming games, right? So it's kind of it's kind of useless. Yeah, it's tap farming game with um, loot boxes. So oh, I'm hoping that it's pay to win. It's somewhat pay to win, or it's it's it is pay to win, but it's more on the free to play aspect. Pay to win just helps you get some more distance. Gets mm -hmm. helps you shave some time, save some time. As all hey. pay to win does. Hang on one second. I'm going to get rid of this vacuum. Yeah, I figured that would eventually be a problem when there's somebody that decides to vacuum. I don't think the audio was going to be picked up, but it was going to get real close real quick. Oh, okay. okay. So, yeah. Yeah, household timing. Um, can't do living it at night. People are sleeping. Can't do the daytime. Activities are happening. I'm just waiting for somebody to decide to do laundry. 
That's going to be interesting. Oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> so what I think I might do is um, ask for scheduling for laundry and then um, reserve it for me, really. Reserve that the afternoon of those. Um, the thing is, I? it's two days a week, right? For you and I, I guess. Hmm? For you and I? Well, yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. You can have Wednesdays and I'll have Sundays. And <laughs> just, just be like, yeah, um, in the afternoon at these particular times. At this specific time, we might we might want to do laundry here and not tell. And, and or, we then, can, or we could just be honest and tell people we're doing like sensitive recording around this time. Oh, totally, yeah. Actually, but, that'd just be a lot more better. That'd be a lot more explaining. Yeah. It, just be upfront with it. Well, we can explain why, but it doesn't really matter. Nobody's going to care why. But that was um, that's always a concern. Is some people who, like, there's some people do, who do multiple loads of laundry through the week, not just at one time. And this is often so. Some people, um, some people maintain complex wardrobes with different types of clothing that get washed under different conditions or dried under different conditions and that on top of having some clothes which are like very expensive so you don't have very many of them and they might find good use so for example uh, there are women who have like uh, bras are expensive and there are there are women who have very expensive bras so they're not going to have a lot of them and of the women who do actually wash their bras regularly, not all women do. Um, Gee, that's great to hear. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, the They will need to be very carefully washed uh, fairly regularly if that's also the kind of woman who likes wearing those expensive bras frequently. So this kind of woman might do laundry for some clothes like delicates even three times a week. That's not unheard of. And you talk to a lot of men, it's like you 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 have enough clothes and when you run out of clothes to wear, you do your laundry. And you do like a lot of laundry all at once and it takes you all day or whatever, who cares? And then you're done and then you've got a lot of clothes. Hopefully, you know, hopefully in the closet and in drawers and stuff. And you just go through them and that's the cycle of, that's the laundry cycle. But for some people, it's to do your bits and pieces and maybe planning ahead. And these ones need to be, um, these ones need to be washed cold. These ones should be washed this way. These ones are hung to dry. These ones are laid flat to dry. Wow. Like learning about sweaters. <laughs> so, so I was talking about that one woman. Uh, I'll, I'll find the reference. Heck, I've got my full. I've got my full listing here, so I can actually go through like my bookmarks and stuff like that. So, uh, Alexandra's Girly Talk is a YouTube channel. I, apparently, she's really popular and all that, but I mean, there's all kinds of really popular channels, and um, so it's. I'm sure she's really popular because she's pretty, but also because her stuff's very, very good. And so she did a, a video on jeans and uh, sweaters. And I've got some other bookmarks that I haven't looked at. But 
learning the woman's perspective is actually really interesting. Um, it's actually kind of useful to understand these things. Um, not necessarily because the male perspective is, well, you could give quality advice, <laughs> but it's not, you don't want to, you don't want to give advice well, to, like, to women <laughs> at all. But it's still good to have this stuff in your head to understand the mechanics of how things work. And women are complicated, so it's really nice to understand their mechanics, even if they don't want you to, even if they're offended. Don't necessarily use them to game or anything like that, because that's rude. But understanding genes, even though, even though this was a video about women's genes specifically, because I thought it was just about genes. I'm like, she's pretty. I'll listen to her talk about genes so I can learn about genes. Bonus, right? But it turns out to be women's genes. So it's only, it's a pretty girl talking about some topic I don't care about. But it turns out to be a topic I care about because she's telling me things about like body shape, which is still kind of confusing to me. I can't, I, I, I know two shapes. I know like orange shape and pear shape. And pear shape is the in thing right now. People are like, oh, thick, which um, I'm not into. I'm really not into. Um, but there's a certain kind of gene that would work for a certain kind of body type. So there, there's hip height. And a lot of women are like, well, if I have low, if I have low cut genes, you know, and show off like a little edge of my panties or something like that, that that's hot and all the men are going to like it. But it really doesn't work on a lot of women, like a lot. And so, and she's actually demonstrating it or uh, zipper length, for example. So, so, and you would never think of it. So imagine that you've got a certain kind of, not you. Okay. So imagine a woman Sorry, with please. high hips. So she's got a, she's got a fullness of her, her hips and there's also zipper length. So <laughs> we're thinking about the crotch of a woman. Okay. Now if the zipper goes down part way, what goes, what tucks the crease between her legs and the bottom of the zipper there's a there's a, a tension drawn right there and it also camel toes so it really doesn't work i mean maybe it does for like that is something to be aware of to choose that intentionally right rather than just have this accidental effect and never even knowing about it but if a zipper is and the the opening of the zipper is right right close down it actually neutralizes the attention being in that area so it's actually much more important for, again, once you know about that, and she actually proves it, which is a rather fascinating thing to see. And she explains things like where the pockets are. So you look, so she turns around, she's a good looking woman, and she's, she's showing uh, pocket width, and she's wearing certain kind of wrong pants, and the, and the pockets are far apart, and they just... They look absolutely unflattering, really unflattering. And same person with with the the same jeans, but the pockets are moved. And and it's it's again, yeah. So Alexandra's girly talk, and the video was what no one tells you about jeans. And uh, that was wonderful. And I love learning about these life hacks, <laughs> knowledge about about the weirdest things like um, how to take care of men's collars, men's dress shirt collars, which is really, which is an absolute mystery to most men. So I've got these 
um, you know, the golf shirt, which so it's kind of, it's cotton, some version of cotton, but it's got a, a, a collar and it's short sleeved and you go out golfing and, but it's sort of like a, it's a non t-shirt, fairly informal, but it's you know, like manly man shirt. Um, they end up with these collars that curl and they, or they're, they just get all frumpy and they, or get, uh, get creased and stuff like that. So they look terrible. So when you're either, when you notice something like this, you need to learn how to pause and go and look for expert advice on it and maybe do a little bit of research. So, and I did that for callers. Because one of the things I want to do is is make is make clothing choices with intent. So whether or not I'm going to be fashionable, whether or not it's for a particular circumstance, I want to actually know the background behind the clothes so that I can get stuff that matches or maybe stuff that's in sets or something like that. But I'm like standard guy and I really don't want to care. But I care. So Learning about collars is another example, just like learning about jeans. And you learn about things like, well, if you've got a collar on a soft shirt like that, what you need to pick up, uh, it, you could you could uh, steam, right? You could um, have a an iron, but the quote unquote life hack is if you get hair curlers and just use that and and press them in the corner, in the in the collars, and you make them nice and crisp. Awesome. Uh, I also learned about, I never would have thought of that, um, but I also learned about um, collar stays. Do you know what that is? Oh, inserts? Yeah, um, and that's the annoyances. If you get, a, if you get a, a proper shirt, let's call it a dress shirt, is underneath the collar, there are, and only sometimes, these little pockets that are sewn in. Now, they should all be there on every shirt you own. Like, good luck, right? It's certainly not going to be on a golf shirt. So you can get these things sewn in. And part of the experience of going to a gentleman's store and actually buying your clothes, which you should do because you want, if it costs twice as much, um, if, if it is also twice as durable and it's also comfortable and is also, if it makes you feel good, you go to into a job interview having made yourself just so that matters a lot um and even being at work a lot of things really matter if you put the the kind of intent into it and learn about it and do things on purpose and so if you get these little pockets in collars of everything and then you get collar stays it actually is a an insert. Some people are like, well, I just use a popsicle stick, or, or you use a safety pin, or you use a, a cotton swabs, or one of the a Q-tip or something. And uh, and some people are like, well, you just use these little glue dots, or all this kind of stuff, all these kinds of things. You can put magnets in. I researched all of this stuff just to see what the heck was going on. But just traditional color stays are just flat. Sometimes they're mother of pearl, or uh, I mean, if you hate Mother Nature and elephants, maybe you can get ivory and just be a complete jerk. But it's stainless steel or Wait, what? Or 
Like, totally. You can imagine these rich people who are like, oh, yeah, I killed an elephant just for these slivers of ivory just so that I can put them in my collar because oh. I hate people. I hate life. I hate the world. I'm certain there are a whole lot of those floating around. Um, but I I found Mother of Pearl, which I really like. So, And I'm... What would that have been made of? I'm going to guess that's from the inner shell of not clams is it do you think that's where that material comes from um anyhow it's expensive it's not horribly expensive but it's still pretty but i got some really nice metal inserts and they come at different sizes like different lengths and sometimes slightly different widths and so they're for like longer collars or like this kind of thing or maybe you're of a certain body type that you have certain shirts with certain color lengths. So you require certain inserts that aren't too, too long. Or you require a certain weight. So you have longer stays. I've got them. And I actually went. And I went all the, all that research and, and all that nonsense. And I went and I, I bought like, like a, a gentleman's box set of gunmetal uh, color stays. Even though nobody's going to lay eyes on them. They're just beautiful. But it's part of the experience of, of dressing is sometimes it's not what other people can see. Sometimes it's what you have cooked into your, your yourself, the intent that you've put into yourself. Um, and none of my shirts have, have, <laughs> have pockets. None of them. I went looking through everything. I'm like, what the hell? I bought, this, I bought this very pass nice self. thing. My past self is what's selfish and just got the cheapest, it looks good thing. Didn't well, go for I mean, above and beyond. I can't be mad at him because he didn't know any better. <laughs> but, but now what I have to do is I'm looking at all, because of course everything that I used to wear in my previous life is all like out of date or all just slightly frayed or whatever the heck. Um, So I can't really like, I need to find a tailor. Which okay, which you can you can actually do. It's actually not hard. I I even I know where one is off the top of my head, and I could bring this stuff in and get the collars, get the the pockets put in. Um, and I'm at the point when I'm thinking of invest because I've been thinking about cookware recently, but not not clothing. Because uh, apparently, I mean, but this inconvenient pandemic came up, and now like money is weird and investments are going all over the place and all this kind of stuff. Um, so life is complicated, but I would like to go out and buy you know, new collared shirts and understanding this, this bit about things, I would have to check for pockets or I would have to make arrangements for, for collar stays for the holders for the, um, to get them sewn in. And the the thing about going to a decent, so like, uh, what is it? In, in, I don't know if it's in all places in Canada, but there's tip top tailors and, but there are a lot of, I mean, like, it's, you could just go to like right? a tail, like any local tailor shop. Cause you know, I mean to, to purchase the shirts in the first place, what I'm getting at is if you were to go to one of these places that has all kinds of clothing. Oh um, yeah. Normally if you were to get pants, uh, you would get pants and they would be unfinished at the bottom. And then you would go to a tailor. So the tailoring is already part of the process of getting pants, uh, which is kind of a shame 
but I mean, partly it's because the pants are so so expensive that they're not going to provide every length of of pant with duplicate pants. Um, which is, I mean, that's annoying. But what you're going to do? Uh, so you you'd get the pants with the right width, size, and style, and then you bring it to a tailor. So the tailoring is already part of the experience of buying gentlemen's clothing. Um, so I would just have to include shirts with that experience, understanding that the pockets might not be included. Um, and that's yet another affair of, um, I think the last, cause there are, there are a bunch of, again, YouTube, there are a bunch of YouTube videos of, from, from men. So this is not like manly men, hipster men, dude bros. Um, this is not metrosexuals. This is not like uh, gay guy, gay eye for the straight guy or whatever. It's not, it's, there's a certain kind of man that is, that is emerging, which is somewhere, somewhere within reach of traditional masculinity. And there is a, for several years, been a bit of a push to understand attire and uh and like certain like how do you use a straight razor how do you like how do you do this how do you do that so it's not like how to have the most hip well waxed beard which is a lot of what's coming out now but one of them is like well how do you make a matching set of clothing with a minimal number of articles of clothing because that's a man thing to think about like well i want like, how do I make a pair of jeans work for uh, business casual, for example? Like, what kinds of shoes should I have? It's like, well, okay, well, you, you want this kind for this and this kind for this. This is an example of the same pants. You just change this. Just put a jacket on here. You just do this with the shirt. Okay, you can put this kind of sweater on. And you, I've seen this kind of stuff. The last time I've seen this with, and this leads into something else entirely, is um, a YouTube channel called The Art of Manliness. And you go back right to their old stuff because they're not doing it anymore. So you go back to their old stuff. And it is a beautiful, beautiful, like, like old timey style. And it's like extra manly. It's, it's, it's very, it's very strange. It's very strange, very funny and really, really engaging the style. And they go through like, old timey workouts where you're like crumpling up pieces of paper and that's how you work on your hand strength. And you, this is how you would use a, a dumbbell and this, and this kind of stuff. And, um, and one of them was this, this clothing related thing and to, to pivot, but on that same note. Okay. So all, all let's, let's call them, publication platforms have really serious issues with the the hosts playing curator on their content which is which is in a roundabout way without a lot of explanation that's actually illegal under american laws but it's a, it's a thing okay so the art of manliness is a show is a is a channel it was pretty popular when i first discovered it it was one of these things that was pushed out there because it was interesting. You know, the the grace of the algorithm hit it, it got blessed, and it 
it found attention. So, but they ended up stopping making those videos because they were, their monetization model was such that they were getting more interest out of their existing website. They had enough clients, they had enough people, and it was a lot, a lot of effort to make such, they were really incredibly high quality videos. And so they took a break for a bit and they took a break for a bit. And then somewhere in there, YouTube made, like they, they started uploading their podcasts. Um, and I haven't listened to one. I probably should listen to all of them from scratch, but I, I do that, right? I, I binge, but if it's quality stuff, you want to do that. Hey, to all of our listeners, go back to all of our old shows. <laughs> this is probably your first one. What is this? Number two, technically. This, this is, um, this is number two. This is, this is live recording number two, but nothing has been talking to people 10 years in the future. Um, yeah, I'm listening to the second recording, but they'll Jeez. go, go, go back and listen to her. <laughs> okay. So what, what's interesting is well, after the fact, I went and visited this, this channel again, I found them again. Cause I had a bookmark that was nine years old or whatever. Old guy. And they have something like they have more than a million subscribers, more than a million. Okay. I'm looking back at their video. I'm like, Oh, wow. They hit it big. And all these new videos that I haven't seen. I'm looking at the videos and I, I'm not, I'm not joking. Okay. I'm not joking. They have videos with less than 2000 views. 1 million subscribers. Yeah. That's now, generally the routine unless you're. Now that is because YouTube decided to stop notifying people. And they, they may have intentionally flagged this channel as being a little too manly. That's kind of edgy these days. Wouldn't want to be a man. And just being like, eh. But all the people that were subscribing, sans a thousand, had subscribed and not gone back and visited it at all. Because there was a time when it wasn't uploading. So they weren't visiting it. And the algorithm went, well, these people aren't interested in that. So it didn't promote it. And now it's got the click the bell to actually get notified of this thing you subscribe to. But that doesn't And maybe work. we'll get around to showing you it. Maybe. And so that process came in, but nobody, because of the period of downtime, nobody came back to hit the bell. So nobody from then on, even though there's a million subscribers, it's like 1.17 or something. It's a lot. And none of them are getting notified. I'd be willing to bet next to none. And so they're now, it's now just a dead channel with a whole lot of videos and all their old stuff is pretty popular. Like two, three, two, three hundred thousand views for one of their older videos. It was, it was, it's really good, especially at the time. It's really good. Um, but these days, meh. And they've got a podcast. Who knows how, I don't know how to judge viewership on a podcast youtube says this kind of, youtube will admit to viewers this kind of thing but listeners on a podcast might not actually know that's something that you would need to get expert in because very likely the metrics would be exposed to the producer but just not the listener no. Gen so I, I would... it was pushed to audience interaction and watch time norm last so there was a time where I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Leafy is here. Yeah, I've heard of him. I know why he's popular too, or why he was. 
Yeah, so he took advantage of that that at the time, and then the algorithm changed, and once it did, he and once it did, his um, viewership and such just tanked. Well, that's part of it. He said something that was a little bit too edgy. Plus, he said a few that, things that are edgy, but and he, the wrong combination of sounds and the algorithm and some other complaints went, <gasps> yeah, you know, wrong think, and then kind of pushed him pushed him away. You know, but he grew popular because there was repetitive action on the screen while he was droning on about nonsense. Yeah. And I, I watched like one of his videos at one point. Went, okay, I understand what he's about. Why this is working? Saw another couple. And understood the formula somewhat back to yeah well i mean he came back maybe he but it's it's you know now it's a young man who's just spewing out nonsense while we playing some video of gameplay while having that on loop and it's just there for some background some interesting stuff to look at and, and that's something that we could pursue often what happens is you just need a cartoon that moves its mouth as somebody speaks or a shiny light, or or whatever the heck, and that's shiny. That's interesting, but for people who listen to podcasts, that's not important. Um, subtleties of audio quality, uh, enunciation. Find out when somebody um, gets excited on certain topics. Maybe <laughs> I'm always excited. Um, it's uh, there are other nuances that matter rather than having shiny, shiny pictures that are that are spinning around and and being hypnotic, right? There's and that's something that I haven't particularly studied. I do intend to go and and listen to podcasts to understand how things work. Technically, that's your thing because you you were already a podcast listener, right? So even though it's not something you've been paying attention to specifically, understanding why you are interested in a particular podcast helps you adapt to that information into this one. People and, talk about uh, certain things and then you just either, it's still relatability and interest. Do you do it to learn? I just get curious on all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, when I was at the, when I was still doing the log cutting job, or the wood job. Um, I stopped to watch some guy doing doing a. He was applying cement on a wall, mm -hmm. and then he took like a flat rock, or yeah, it was somewhat flat, and he and he chopped up, chipped up the rock a bit, and then he mm -hmm. plastered on the wall, and then added some more cement around it to pat it down to make sure and <laughs> knocked it in just to ensure it was in place. And oh, that was a bit interesting. And I just walked along and then just moved on. Yeah, so finding, finding, actually, uh, I know a lot of men who are fascinated about, like, home repairs and stuff like that. I'm just curious Built about things. Things. Men are highly interested in things. So, yeah, repairing and helping and transforming and this kind of stuff. Um, and um, so learning... Because you're an expert on you, and if you do spend the time to understand you well enough, and you create a work that would interest a version of you consuming it, then at least it's going to be um, less, there's a kind of stress attached to, to producing, 
and uh, you're not going to please everyone, which which is the weirdest thing when there's enough content out there that somebody can just go someplace else, and they don't, and they just <laughs> it's okay, weird. sure, be a hateful audience, stay here, watch, just keep watching. But that makes well, some people are hate watchers, and that's fascinating that psychology. But if if you're a producer and you make something understanding that it would interest you, some version of you, that's enough to keep you going. To, to know that is that you, you actually want a cooperative audience anyway. So technically speaking, you want people that are well enough aligned to the way you think and work that it's instinctive for you to know, to know how to provide the, the content that, that that particular audience is looking for. And so, you know, know yourself, uh, cater to yourself, find the audience that is much like yourself. I'll have your happy little echo chamber this kind of stuff don't don't be edgy don't step out of line and then you know and then i, I don't know don't say have and a happy echo chamber it's better to have multiple views on one thing as long well, as it just doesn't get out of hand well well a lot of podcasts what they do is they do have guests and that is that is uh that's a a topic specialty for that episode as well as another perspective and still having anchoring from the host so that an audience member can come in can at least side with the host because that's their echo chamber they like that particular person and then they're then they're drawn out of of that echo chamber that that bubble to to listen to that new person and you just rotate additional people that come on and that's um I mean, that's, that's an interesting format that I don't think anybody can start with, but I have, I've known shows that have started with stuff like that and come well, on to. I hmm? guess sort of, I was just mate. Okay. then again, I'm the worst example to use, but, um, I saw, I was just quite curious when I saw the title Eminem and, um, Mike Tyson. And I ended up listening to their chat, which was quite amazing, actually, because there's two people in their different fields, but they respect and highly are fans of each other. Sure. Um, I mean, you can't deny that they have earned something, even if you don't, even if you don't like either of the topics. And I don't. I don't hate either of the topics, but I still wouldn't be particularly interested. But it, I mean, you explore, so you know, you're still finding what you like and all that kind of stuff. So continue. Um, the trick is to actually figure out what you do like and then actually make that your 80% and the stuff you aren't sure about yet. And maybe sometimes the stuff you don't like that you know you don't like, that would be the other 20 uh, of your podcasting time because you do other stuff when you're podcasting anyway a lot of people do yeah and um i've had people say that that's one of the largest values of the podcast as a format is uh, a listener is able to engage a part of themselves with that playing even if they're not paying attention to all of it um while they're doing something else um i can imagine a person who's at work um who's radio was a thing for a long time and it still is 
But if a person's able to just have their own private thing and choose a podcast, and I, I expect an audiobook would be a little bit the same, but I think that the the unprod- I mean, if I'd want to pay attention if it's a book, but if it's a podcast and it's light enough that I don't consider it study, I don't mind if I zone out for a little bit. I think I personally would go a little bit nuts, but I think for most people, zoning out during a podcast is uh, not stressful at all. Yeah, you don't have to be completionist about listening to everything, about paying attention and taking notes for everything. Occasionally, something will kind of like pop into your attention. It's interesting. And then you fade off doing other more important things. If it were a book, you got to be present. You got to be paying attention. Got to be painting the pictures in your head while you're listening. And you couldn't do that while driving a truck. (laughs) Maybe there's some people who can. Um, Maybe you shouldn't. But at somebody at work, certainly, um, probably wouldn't do that. Uh, I know um, enough about myself that I'd probably be driven nuts unless I was near something so I could look up every reference. Because <laughs> if, if I'm interested in somebody saying something, I'm going to go look it up. Like, I'll pause it right then and there and be like, oh, man, I want to learn about X. I want to learn about analytics for podcasting. Couldn't you just run <laughs> Wait, couldn't you just write it down and then search up afterwards? Or you just have to, you'd have to I, no, find out right away. I, I would, I would love, while it's in my head, I would love to pause because you can pause. You can't pause real life, but you can pause the podcast, take your pause craft and go off and do, do some research and then come back. And now you've got a little bit of expertise in your head. Well, I, I guess I'm talking about me. So then I would come back with some of that expertise in my head. And now I have even more to come to the table, even more to bring to the table so that when I restart, when I resume the podcast, I have more and a more educated version of myself to pay attention to the next nuances with that recent expertise in mind. So the next things that they're talking about, I'm, I'm more present for. And it just keeps going and going and going. And I'll just pause again if they're talking about something else that I don't know enough about, some reference, some whatever, and I'll come back. And so the experience of me listening to a podcast would be ridiculous. <laughs> It'd be like, oh, this is a two-hour podcast. Four hours later, I'm still not done. Yeah. Okay, having to like sense. having to pause something and come come back to it tomorrow would probably torture me. I'd have like bookmarks of no, I watched until 53 minutes on a video that gets taken down two years later. So I've got this dead, this dangling bookmark that says, this was really important. You should have listened to it. Yeah, I have bookmarks that torture me. Jeez. Okay, so this is technically our full full time. Yeah. Do you have something else you want to talk about? Or should we wrap it up? Do we have yeah. anybody in the audience that has asked questions? We have not. I hate you all. You should be asking us questions. I are smart. Uh-huh. <laughs> I are terribly smart. Has just admitted that he pauses to go research things. Actually, no, that's oh, a man. good that's the best thing to do, actually. I, I do that for watching movies, man. I'll pause in the middle of movies and be like, they they just use some weird acronym. What? And I'll go and I'll look it up and I'll be like 
oh, it's this department of this agency in this place. And I, I wouldn't know because I'm not American, for example, and I'm watching some weird That's intelligence still... services spy movie. And I'm like, what? So go learn. Yeah, but and... the times change and the every. <sighs> There's like DH, so there's like multiple acronyms for something for like one department, and it changes throughout the years. Oh man, like uh, in the United States, they they started with so they've got the Department of Defense. It had other names. Like it started as something called the Department of War, (laughs) and they just renamed it to be cuddlier. (laughs) That's not what it is. It ain't for defense. Um, but you that's exactly the sort of stuff that I would pause and I would go and learn. And it is it is a breach of narrative <laughs> to run off to to pa- to pause the world. Literally, if you're sitting down and watching a movie, pause the world, go off, learn about something, come back, really be able to follow along. Jesus. But this is also hmm? Why would you suspend your disbelief? You're already suspending your disbelief just to go research something. I I am pulling myself away from being a passive witness to the movie and coming back into the real world and becoming slightly more expert about the environment of whatever is being talked about, whatever is being displayed. So it's it's a distraction from being in the moment. So I, I will admit that. But what's interesting is I will do that, but I also then, if I if the movie is actually good, which <laughs> which is pretty rare these days, which is why I'm going to foreign movies more and more. Uh, but if the movie is any good, I can rewatch it, and I and now I have all the expertise involved. And what's nice is I have gone through so many movies like that that I can now rewatch movies that I know I like from 20 years ago, something like that, right? Some wait. So how would you treat video games? So how would you treat mm-hmm. video games that have like the that show like the ending at the show like a part of the ending at the beginning? Video games do that? Yes. Really? I didn't notice that. Even trailers wouldn't do that. Trailers wouldn't do this, but uh the last notable game Are you gonna spoil it for me? <laughs> uh do you ever think you'll play Halo Reach? Probably. Never mind then. Is that Xbox? Is that 360 or is that Xbox One? It's on PC now. They ported everything over to PC. Yeah. Oh. Then maybe. So no, don't spoil it. But I'll probably I'll probably play it in like 15 years, just like <laughs> I'll play Duke Nukem 3D again <laughs> in the next five years probably. And that was a game that was out in like. 96 or something maybe it was 99 but it was, it was fairly old now who am i kidding it was released for dos so it's really really old um and i think 96 is the right right year uh, right around the time of quake 2 anyhow um so yeah, for, for video games, I will take notes while I'm playing. And sometimes that's because I'm involved in, in beta testing. And sometimes it's because I, re- I do report problems back to developers and I have gotten stuff fixed. Good luck getting your name in credits because I've talked about this kind of stuff before. 
I'm, I'm not bitter. I don't expect recognition from developers or even acknowledgement. Just stuff gets privately solved. And, I, and I'm not going to talk about that very long because I know I've talked to you off yeah, podcast. Not gonna, right? Yeah, we'll bring so it up. So I'm myself. not going to talk about that stuff. Um, but um, developers don't can't give credit because credit admittance is one problem. Credit is another problem. And there's also legalities attached and stuff like that. So, so um, occasionally there's, there's uh, yeah, not spoiling a damn thing, but yeah, I have taken notes for, for games. I do it for software too. open source software. That's why I like open source software because I can go and I can open bug reports and I can talk to developers and get stuff fixed and I can pay people to fix software. Good luck doing that with a with Photoshop. I mean, Google has their yearly fix hunt for our bugs. Do they? I didn't know that. For <laughs> this is me not caring. <laughs> this is me not. This is me so not pay, not paying attention to what Alphabet Incorporated and its subsidiaries do. So I really don't like them. Says the guy that's about to be on YouTube. But yeah, it's. Uh, I know that there are competitions for like security competitions and stuff like that that offer money. Uh, so what is it? Oh, I'm trying to think of. I don't. It might actually be the mechanics behind the Brave browser, the uh, the token, the the so the 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 BAT, the basic attention token. Um, I believe the actual developers of that core mechanic have a thing where if you admit to a problem to them first, uh, and it leads and, and it actually leads to a fix, um, they offer like a huge amount of money, including one is up to three hundred thousand hmm. dollars. So if if you know your stuff, there are are avenues for applying. <laughs> hacking skills to for good and profit um, for this kind of stuff. But they, the thing is they want you to keep it secret until they've actually fixed it, um, which isn't a good policy, but still, I mean, if, if I offer you $300,000 to keep your mouth shut for, that seems like a good incentive to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, yeah, it's quite a disincentive to be like, well, you blabbed, so you don't get because you're not getting more than that much money doing something else. Um, maybe because believe it or not, not many individual hackers have like a, are plugged into black markets where they can sell information off for hundreds of thousands of dollars really? while not being killed. Oh. <laughs> right it's like oh yeah i just kind of like sold this data system to some russians and just, uh, yeah you sure you're gonna and then what hide the money and then <laughs> gonna go pick it up in a briefcase with what's the plan there <laughs> as opposed to being totally on board and going to developers and and you, you'll probably get open credit at the end of it because for tax purposes they're technically paying you that money right so your name, you can probably get your name publicized and all that stuff, but 
Um, I did something worthy, mommy. <laughs> no, that is a really good feeling. Getting like the nod from from somebody that you're like technically speaking, if you're using a piece of software and you're not paying them anything for it, they're giving you a service for free. And there's a lot of work involved behind the scenes. Um, and you, okay, well, again, I'm talking about you, I should be talking about me. Okay, so I will use somebody's tool. Sorry? <laughs> I like being oh, the example. Right. So um, if I'm using some service and it's for free and I have taken the time to write down the things that bother me and I've taken the time to figure out whether or not my problem's been solved and how to report and who to report the stuff to. And I do, I do everything just so, and developers fix it. Um, that is enough. That, that effort, um, I have been, um, I have given back to the service by doing all those things. Even if all those things are like the, the bare minimum, and it's in their frequently asked questions and stuff like that, like I've done that work and communicated. And if they've fixed it, that alone is enough. So like I've had bunches of stuff just quietly fixed, no credit or anything, but developers actually fixing things that bother me personally is, is a reward. And I happen to also be giving back, not just to the, that group, but to every single other user. So for example, I'm a, we're way running over, but I don't care. Let's just keep so going I'm until a, it feels dead and then we'll stop. I'm a beta tester for a website called ThinkSpot. And ThinkBot, ThinkSpot was, uh, it's it's created from a bunch of academics, really. And uh, boy, does it show. Oh, man. So I'm a, I'm a, it's a closed beta test. So, um, and I got it. Uh, unfortunately, I got in really late because I was kind of lazy. <laughs> and so I got in late, so I didn't get the opportunity to to get it for free. But I could pay them in order to open up an account, which is which lets me be a publisher in it, which normally you, you don't do. It, it's not like a Facebook where you just get your own Facebook. You get your own blog. Not for them. They charge you for that. Um, but you do get to annotate and comment in other people's stuff. But I'm using this website, which isn't out yet. And I really hope it doesn't come out anytime soon because it's awful. I mean, they're, they're letting me in behind the scenes. And I, I get to try and get to be a beta tester and I get to take copious amounts of notes. And I've actually emailed them like an actual email address and I've gotten an actual response from a human. And they're, they will work on improving stuff. Um, but man, does that place have a... It's an astonishing amount of work that they have to put in because it's ugly and awkward and anything, any kind of magical new extra interactive website with lots and lots of JavaScript is usually kind of terrible. It's just kind of crap. And very few websites do it right. And while I'm on that topic, have you used the new... Do you use YouTube much? You notice that their style changed? Yeah, constantly. Yeah, they had a recent style change. Was, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago or something. For a while, I was able to actually do some tricks to revert back to the earlier style to like to go back to classic mode and if you're a publisher behind the scenes there's a there was a classic 
developer mode that actually had some features that the current one doesn't. I don't know if that's been remedied because um, I've been taking a break from publishing videos on my own YouTube. At any rate, um, the new, and I guess we'll just end it on this, the new YouTube is, is terrible. It is literally measurably terrible. It's slow. And it's slow because they changed the engine behind which the, the website runs in terms of your, your user experience, your interface. So they're using you know, JavaScript and CSS, and they're using quite a lot of interesting magic. And what they've done is they have re-implemented the website in a standard, in, the, in, a, in a, oh man, I wish I could remember this technical stuff, but I'm not doing this programming related stuff anymore. So I can't remember the term. So there is a certain API that they're using, a certain model of doing stuff. So there's like, um, there are versions of the HTML standard, for example, and there are iterative uh, changes, hopefully improvements. And so there was this model that they were using and they decided to, to anchor their, and their interface using this model implemented in JavaScript and such. And it is not the most recent stuff. And that earlier version of stuff is not well implemented in the JavaScript of, say, Firefox. And so YouTube is now terrible on Firefox, just terrible. It's slow as mud, you would not believe it. But, but the new version of stuff is, is fine, is great, because the engine is like, well, we better make sure we're really optimized for the latest and greatest, so they did that. YouTube went old. Okay, but as it turns out, oh, Chrome is really peppy with this YouTube, with this old engine, with its old stuff in between, because YouTube, because, because Alphabet Incorporated made YouTube uh, and optimized it for Chrome and also optimize it to to target against other browsers so youtube stinks on other other browsers it, it's actually quite torturous because i used to open half a dozen videos at the same time and i have a, a, a an add-on that disables autoplay and so i will have a bunch of stuff queued up that way but i can't do that anymore because i can't even like switch tabs very easily when I've got more than one YouTube tab open. It's just painful, really painful. And so I've got like, I'm resistant to switching to Chrome because it's terrible. And Brave isn't, I'm missing one add-on for Brave. Otherwise I'd stop using Chrome entirely and just use Brave because of advertising stuff that we were talking about. And if I bump into more intentional advertisements, I get paid more, which is kind of nice. Okay, so, so yeah, I guess YouTube we'll sucks. <laughs> so we're done. The engine um, that YouTube uses. Yeah, so that is, ah, oh, it stinks. And I know I can't, uh, I don't have any insiders at YouTube. I'll, I'll admit that that's not, a, that's not a secret, but that's also not a secret for most people. Um, I did only once kind of get through to one human who took pity on me. <laughs> that's about it. 
but I don't have an insider to talk to to improve um, YouTube. At any rate, um, so yeah, I'm suffering because I used to use YouTube all the time, and now I'm just going to use a downloader and um, or, or some other reviewer, or maybe use it on my phone or something. Okay, never mind. I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, wow. YouTube is the fall of the internet if it starts sucking. At any rate, so this is our Sunday, and I do have a portable hard drive with our previous shows that I still have to look through and get some workflow. I've been doing some some of my own stuff on the side, so it's been taking up my time. But um, I'll pay special attention and actually work through the the export that you're going to make right now. Okay, so well, I haven't said I, res- I stopped recording, so stop now. No. Oh. Um, and so I hope between now and Wednesday, um, I'll, I'll kind of skim through a little bit and see what I can do and, and pull something out and maybe cut together something that's 10 minutes or something. And what we'll do is we'll use that as the intro to our Wednesday show. Okay. And we'll, and I'll start doing that a little bit more until I get used to it and comfortable to it. And then we'll have, I, I still aim to do one every day. And we can start thinking about how we would put this up on YouTube as videos, um, as well as maybe as podcasts and in Apple, etc. So, what's your what's your goal to accomplish before next Wednesday? What things would you like to to do? Just play around with more, just play around more with OBS and get a visual presentation going. You were also talking about studio mode? Yeah. Playing around with OBS. Okay. Can you can you also make sure you're signed up to Apple for the podcasting? Sure. We're not gonna use it just yet, but make the account. I'm gonna get the USB keyboard stuff working between now and Wednesday so that it will be available to you on Wednesday. You don't have to use it Wednesday, but for maybe for next week or something. So I'll do that. I've already developed all of everything behind the scenes to get that keyboard working. I have some really awesome scripting that I made for a program that the developer kind of abandoned, <laughs> but it works for me. Um, but the developer abandoned. That the developer abandoned. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't realize that the developer abandoned it until I had already developed this amazing scripting to make it work. And the developer was like at the tail end of the documentation that I didn't get to until I had made this entire script. <laughs> and you look, like, oh, hey, look, it's abandoned. The author's like, well, I'm not developing this anymore. It doesn't really work very well. And you should probably use this or this. I'm like, not not only did I develop my own stuff for this, but I was also working for a hardware ma- manufacturer to use this software too. I'm like, whoops. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, okay, guys. Well, your, your proprietor hardware will work with this software. But... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I'll, 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 uh, yeah, which is a bit of a shame. So I might uh, have to event like w- Windows 11 or whatever, switch to some other piece of software to use my, my USB foot pedal. But so pull um, the good oopsie. <laughs> but I, I mean, at least I do have something that does work and I can make it work for you because you're also using Windows 10. So life is good. Um, 
but but yeah it's yet another piece of software that i've got that's going to be like legacy and it works and like i have windows xp software that just that still works but yeah, i know that the clock is ticking one day it's going to die and so that might be so the usb keyboard you know it's a ticking time bomb but it'll work for now oh that's great <laughs> So, uh, and it'll probably work for, for a very long time, but anyhow, it does work and it works perfectly and I'll get it set up for you and I'll show you how that one works. So my goal is the USB keyboard and doing like a 10, 15 minute video or whatever the heck winging it. And so for the rest of you, thank you for being here. We're going to come back on Wednesday, Wednesday. It is what times are we? So for Pacific time, it's. 4.30 Pacific? 4.30 Pacific, 7.30 Eastern. 7.30 Eastern, so... I can't Eastern remember Mountain in, Central in between, unfortunately. I, yeah, I don't know either. I mean, don't ask me for Hawaii. Hawaiian is GMT minus... Hawaii, they don't care about... Or something? I used they, to have a They don't care about the time... Hawaii. They don't care about the time zone change. <laughs> Hawaii is so chill. They don't mind time zones. Yeah, they're okay. There's... Um, it's so, uh, 7.30 Pacific, 4.30, no, oh, blah, blah, blah. 4.30 PST, um, uh, 7.30 EST, and uh, we'll see you guys on Wednesday. So thank you for coming, and I'll see you then. Bye.